Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Friday, June 9th, 2023. We are just flying into the summer, it feels like. Yeah, it does. Um, it's crazy to think how long we've been out of school. That, that like, really puts it into perspective for me. Yeah, like, I've been done for exactly a month. Yeah, but it's nice, though. Just stress-free, man. <laughs> it is, man. I've been, like, I've been waking up early for some reason. I've been, like, getting up oh, yeah. early... Went on a walk the last two days. Getting the most out of your days? Yeah, dude. Been, like, get home from the walk at, like, 9 o'clock, 9.30. Hang out. Take some notes. Heck yeah. It's been, it's been a lot a f- of baseball. Yeah. A lot of baseball <laughs> to talk about. Um, sure. So, of course, we'll be talking about baseball to start the show off. But also, a decent amount of stuff going on in the NFL. Uh, we're going to do a top three, bottom three, starting... NFL quarterbacks projected in 2023. And then we'll be doing the UCL final preview and predictions, transfer news, and then rounding out with stake your claim. Let's do, let's get into it, man. Yeah, I'm excited and I'm going to start off MLB recap. I typically give you the honors, but I got to get it off my chest. Oh, let's hear it. All right. The Mets. Can y'all just stop trying because it just ain't working. Whatever you're doing isn't working. Jeff McNeil can't pick up a ball. That was that was ridiculous. Absolutely that. brutal. Like three attempts. That was brutal. Oh, no. But let's just, you know what? I'll stop with the funny business. Pete Alonso. Well, <laughs> welcome to the Bryce Harper Club. Every time that you face the Braves, home or away, because... You know the Braves travel. You're going to get showered in booze. And no matter what you do, it doesn't matter because you did it to yourself. You're out here, you hit a home run, and you're like, throw it again, throw it again. Well, then you gave up five unanswered. So maybe uh, maybe you should rethink that one. And then Charlie Morton hits you on accident, first of all, which, you know, whatever. But... Afterwards, you have a quote. I believe it might have been today that this quote came out, but he said, if I wanted to put somebody in the hospital, I easily could. Dude, like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to be a bad boy? Is that is that what, like, his PR manager told him to do? It's like, start being a villain. It'll make you cooler because all you can do is win a fucking home run derby. I just, I, I don't get it. <laughs> so look, you, you go out there and you win another home run derby and, and shut the fuck up because there's this thing in baseball called the playoffs. And when you can actually make it to it, uh, you should probably think about trying to win a game. So, um, yeah. And I also saw people coming down on like the Braves fans for like booing Pete Alonso. And then when he got hit cheering, I'll be the first to say it. I am a huge scumbag, and I certainly would have been cheering as loud as possible in Truist Park when that happened. I, I really don't care. I, I solely see sports as entertainment, and j- just really as much as anything else is entertainment. Like, don't tell me that you're not going to get happy when your favorite like superhero beats the shit out of a villain, or when like your favorite WWE wrestler starts beating up the guy that you don't like. Like you're going to cheer when somebody gets hit because you don't like them. And it's pretty obvious that Pete Alonso wants to be a villain to the Braves fans. 
And we're certainly treating him like one. Like drop. It's just like, I don't know what he's going for here. Trying to play tough. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird, but the Braves have a very underrated fan base, I think. And I, I love, I love the Braves fans giving it to him. It's just it, that's the kind of atmosphere that you want to play in, you know. And I, I completely like how the Braves booed him. Yeah, I, I, I think they should. At this point, if he wants to be the villain, we're gonna make him the villain, but he better back it up. Exactly. So exactly. I'll I'll get off my soapbox, but fuck Pete Alonso. <laughs> Since you went negative, I'm gonna go negative kind of first with my news. And this it's more just to kind of get it out of the way, but it's something that I really wanted to address with you, Grayson. Jacob deGrom's press conference. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brutal. Yeah. Absolutely brutal. I, I hated watching him cry. I hated listening to him, like, you know, still talk about how promising this Rangers team is and how gutted he is that he doesn't get to, you know, be a part of it anymore. Yeah. And it- I... Absolutely hated it. And I mean, we kind of, you know, we kind of meme Jason DeGrom or uh, Jacob DeGrom, sorry, at the uh, beginning of the season because he had a really rough start. But I just wanted to point out that he, uh, before he got injured, he actually finished the season with a 2.67 ERA. Look, he Not was he was pitching very good. He He's Jacob DeGrom. He pitches very well. Like, that's just synonymous. And... It, it absolutely is like gut wrenching now, especially now that he's with the Rangers, because yeah. I don't have to worry about him as much. <laughs> it is gut wrenching to see him get hurt, and like that very, very emotional press conference was very hard to watch. Yeah, absolutely brutal. But uh, yeah, I, I just thought we should take, talk about Jacob Degrom and wish him our uh, you know best wishes. I, I hope he can bounce back and you know pick it back up because this Rangers team. They look like they could be, you know, good for a decent amount of time. So hopefully he can get back and, you know, join them in a couple playoff games. Uh, Maybe next year he could yeah. join them in the playoffs. But that's kind of what I meant. The uh, it, it, Right now it looks like he won't be back until like the end of next season. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah that, that was another thing that you actually just reminded me of. It, it was uh, – Brutal to hear him talk about that timeline. Yeah. And like it blew my mind to hear him say, you know, hopefully if everything goes perfect, I can join them next season in the playoffs. And I was like, what? We're not even to the all-star break. Yeah. That's that's the hard part, especially about a second Tommy John surgery, is that your recovery is going to take significantly longer because you really got to take it slow. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, back to the point, uh, best wishes from second and short to Jacob deGrom. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, since he's not a Met, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, you kind of went after the Mets there, didn't you? Or yeah, well, I'm, I'm about I'm about to go after another guy, and <laughs> we've been shitting on him so much. I'm glad that this is the conclusion that this whole saga has come to. Alec Manoa was optioned to the Blue Jays Florida Complex League. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> this guy fucking sucks. Me and Brock covered it on Wednesday's episode. He pitched like. Point one innings and gave up like five earned runs. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then after the game, they asked the manager, like, were you thinking about, like, are you guys thinking about sending him down just to deal with his shit? And 
their manager said, no, it hasn't been an idea yet. And then the next day, they sent him down to the Florida Complex League, which isn't like a, it's not like a real league when you look at like the, the structure of like a MLB organization and their affiliates. It's really just a place to send somebody to like work on some stuff. So gotcha. I, I, I think this is the right move with he's, he's got a 6.36 ERA and he was what the AL Cy Young runner up, I think last year, something like that. Like you shouldn't be this bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I wonder what it is. Honestly, I don't know. I think maybe it's the yips. Case of the yips. Yeah, I, I think that's the case. Because, like, last year he was so fucking good. Yeah. No, he was. I just, um, man, the failure of an ALE star. It's not a Yankee. <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. I'm, I'm um, sure it is. I'm going to take it to the Reds now, Grayson. And this one's yep. going to take kind of long, and I know you have a lot of red oh, yeah. stats too. So just please, you know, let's let's interject because this is going to take us a while. <laughs> I, I seriously have a shit ton of stuff here that I want to talk about. Let's First of all, Andrew Abbott. Um, earlier this week, he is a 24-year-old. I think it was his, in his MLB debut. Pitched six innings, six strikeouts, and one hit. Very solid performance there. Now... <clears throat> Let's talk about this guy. He has four names. Or no. Yeah, yeah, four yeah, names. Four. Yeah, four names. Ellie De La Cruz, Grayson. Do I want to remind everybody as I talk about this is 6'5", 200 pounds. I'd like to see some more weight on there, but hey, he's a young kid. He's only 21 years old. He's actually three months older than me. Which is insane <laughs> to think about. His first MLB hit. Yeah, I'm sitting here, you know doing second and short with you, Ellie De La Cruz just hit his first MLB hit. It was a 112 mile per hour laser for a double. All right, let me get a little more in depth on this double. Let's do it. If if I may. Uh, it's the hardest hit ball by a Reds player this season. Indeed. And he recorded the fastest sprint speed by a Reds player ever at 30.4 feet per second. Um, and then let's get more in-depth on this double. The pitch that he hit was four feet off the ground, uh, significantly above the strike zone. That's the highest and hardest hit pitch in the StatCast era. Wow. Yeah. Um, he hit a triple as well. He Sec- made it... Second game. Yeah, second game. He... Made it from home to third in less than 11 seconds at 6'5", 200 pounds. That is a tenth fastest than anybody else all year long, and that player was Corbin Carroll, who's second place. Yeah, He's a tenth slower than someone who's 6'5", 200 pounds. Yeah. In nine at-bats this season, Ellie De La Cruz has three runs, four hits, one home run, two RBIs, and a stolen base. Yeah, look, it's he's incredible. <laughs> somehow, he has already made the Reds one of the most entertaining teams to watch in baseball. And he's played you two see games. The stadium. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It, it is unbelievable. And it's so cool to see, dude. Yeah. That home run, by the way, was 143 feet off the ground. It was picked up by a local airport's radar. Yeah. It was also 458 feet 
114.8 exit velo. Um, and that pitch was way up and inside too. Like perfect dot on the top corner, up and inside on the lefty. Like a perfectly thrown pitch, 92 miles per hour too. That's hard to hit, and um, he sure as hell hit it hard. And I just have one question for you before I move on to the next Reds player I wanted to cover. But uh, Grayson, who the fuck is this kid? (laughs) He is quite the prospect. I believe he's the third overall prospect in the top 100. Um, But, yeah, he's just absolutely insane. Um, We obviously have already talked about him on this show because he was showing off in the minors before he even got brought up. And now it's just like... He's absolutely crazy. He's a switch hitter, which is even better. Like, that's crazy. I don't know if he has held the switch hitting. I haven't watched a full game yet, um, but it seems like a lot of the stuff I've seen is him hitting from the left. Uh, But when we're looking at, like, prospect numbers, um, obviously we've talked about uh, the scoring here for prospect, uh, like scouting grades, 80 is the max. He's got a 55 hit tool, a 60 power tool, a 70 run tool, 60 arm and 55 field. That is fucking ridiculous. An overall grade at 60 is absolutely crazy. It's insane. But another guy on the reds who's been absolutely insane. Well, not really insane. He just had a really cool moment that I wanted to highlight, but Will Benson, a 24-year-old out of the Westminster schools in the ATL, Grayson. Kind of a a state guy for us here, Georgia native. In his first career homer versus the LA Dodgers on Wednesday, it was a walk-off, and he absolutely pimped the shit out of this home run. Dude, he was walking towards his own teammates in the dugout before he started walking towards first base. Damn. Just yelling at him. And, like, we talked about the stadium with Ellie De La Cruz. This, Red, this Cincinnati Red Stadium is unlike I've seen it in years. It's, it's incredible what is going on yeah. with the Reds organization. And it, it's, it's all thanks to these awesome young guys, dude. Is that, it's um, been so much fun. Is their field is – that, is that guaranteed rate stadium? Uh, I can look it up. I think it is. But – I'm trying to remember if it's that or if it's American Family, but I think that's Brewers now. You're, you're actually wrong on both of those. What? Wait. This one actually has a pretty cool name. Oh, wait. It's the Great American Ballpark. Duh. It sure Fuck. is. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah it, but I mean, that, that place was rocking, dude. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a it's a cool little stadium. Nice, nice. But yeah, that's um that was all the reds that I had. It, they're... Got some exciting stuff going on, man. Yeah, I like the Reds. Hate Skyline Chili. <laughs> wow. Just had to throw that one out there. Um, let me talk about Kyle Schwarber. He did something uh, historical, at least Philly's history. He had a leadoff home run on Tuesday, and that was the only run scored in a 1-0 Phillies win. <laughs> so if you like nice. pitching and defense, that was the game to watch. But <clears throat> this is the third time that – this exact scenario has happened in Philly's history. So uh, a, a leadoff home run being the only run recorded and they get them getting the win. Who do you think was the last player to do this? It was back in 2012. Notable player. Shane Victorino. No. Ryan Howard. <clears throat> no. Golly. 2012 Phillies player? Yeah. Big name. Uh, uh, 
Um, 2012 Phillies player, big name. Who am I missing? There's two that I would think of, but obviously one. I haven't of them named is either of them. No. Ow. Ryan Howard wouldn't have batted leadoff. Yeah. Uh, what position did they play? Uh, shortstop. I think that gives it away. Jimmy Rollins? Yeah, Jimmy Rollins. Wow. He was going to actually be who I said next, but I didn't think he was ever like really a power hitter, so I was not going to No, he, he really wasn't, but <laughs> you know, he hit a few, um, but primarily as a leadoff hitter. That's what you're yeah. going to do. But uh, what else you got, Luke? Um, I actually have a lot of other stuff. Uh, yeah, let's do it. I, I still got to go to the Carlos Rondon injury saga. Yep. Um, there's actually a lot of news with that. But I, I want to start out with uh, another youngster. Right, Might as well keep it with the youngsters. In Joyce, this was like, I feel like a day or two after our last recording. So I, I couldn't get this up on, or, you know, I, I didn't have it in my notes for the Thursday episode, but it happened on like Friday. So very unfortunate. But in Joyce, struck out Jordan Alvarez on three pitches that were 103, 101, and 102. That is not an easy guy to do that against. No, it's not. <laughs> and uh, I, I just wanted to bring that up because, you know, we covered Ben Joyce, um, I think, on the last episode with, you know, he had an awesome debut. And like you just said, he's doing it to guys like Jordan Alvarez, too. And, I mean, that's gas. <laughs> yeah. It's unbelievable. Keep Keep it going, man. Bring me some more. We going? Yeah. Okay, yeah, another young guy. I actually have some college baseball here. Ooh. LSU pitcher uh, Paul Skines, I think. Yeah. Hit 101 on pitch number 123. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, you already went over it, but Jeff McNeil forgot to throw up a or throw a baseball. Yep. Well, you forgot how to out. pick it up, honestly. Yep. Um. Let's see. Uh, Aaron Judge hits the injured list for the second time this season after that ridiculous defensive play crashing into the fence at uh, Dodger Stadium. So I have a I have a bold prediction for Aaron Judge, though. I think he'll still hit for 45 home runs. Oh. What, what, what's he at That's right not my now? hot take. What is he at right uh, now? 18, I think. 18. Okay. What's the hot take, then? Uh no well the hot takes oh 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 yeah thought, that's okay. that's take your claim gotcha 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 uh we were talking about this yesterday but the Canadian wildfires at Yankee Stadium yeah. wild absolutely yeah. wild I think it um didn't it cancel a game or two it canceled I think three um oh wow the Phillies game the Yankees game and I think one other um let me let me take a look um. Uh, just, uh, just yeah, just those two. So Tigers, Phillies, and White Sox, Yankees. Gotcha. Well, I mean, it looked like it looked like a bomb went off, like a nuclear fallout. It was insane. Yeah. Um, and then the last one before uh, we get into Carlos Rondon, Oklahoma's women's softball team yep. are sixty and one this year. Um, fifty-two no. game win streak, which is pretty ridiculous they're too. Facing my sem- they're facing the Seminoles in the yeah. in the championship. I think they took game one, didn't they? Oklahoma yeah, I th- did. I think so. Gotcha, but just a crazy stat here. They have a 94, or no, a point, uh, 0.984 win percentage. <laughs> Holy shit. Not not losing many games, but uh, oh, here we go. Carlos Rondon, everybody. Uh, I still do not know what he looks like anymore. Uh, he doesn't have a beard anymore, so. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know who he is, to be honest with you, but 
Anyway, whoever this guy is, uh, shortly after recording last Thursday, he actually was moved to the 60-day injured list, but it was only to free up a spot for Tommy Canely, who's finally ready to you know come back to the Yankees after him being hurt as well. Good news for Carlos Rondon, though. He faced live hitters on Wednesday. His fastball was sitting at 92 to 94 miles per hour. He faced Oswaldo Cabrera and Jake Bowers. At what we're looking at now and what I've just read from numerous sources is that he'll be actually available end of June if he continues to better, but that's like if everything's perfect. It's probably going to be like early July. Well, it looks like we'll get three or four more Carlos Rodon updates. Yeah, but you should have seen the look on my face when all I read was the headline after we were done recording on Thursday and it said that he was moved to the 60-day IL. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I could only imagine what my face looked like. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk about Marcus Simeon's 25-game hit streak. came to a close on Wednesday, but how crazy is it that a 25-game hit streak, first of all, absolutely insane, but the fact that that's not even halfway to Joe DiMaggio's record of 56. See, I think off camera, or off camera, off like Mike, <laughs> I guess, I actually asked you what MLB records do you think are like complete, just not going to be broken. Yep. I actually thought it was the Joe DiMaggio one. I think you told me that you think it's possible. I, I think it is possible. Um, But actually, this is going to lead me to the trivia question I wrote for you. Um, hmm. So Marcus Simeon's streak is the longest since uh, a player had 30 in actually 2018 and into 2019 um, which is kind of crazy but um, do you have any idea who that player is Uh, it could really be anybody so I could give you some hints to start it out Um, are they a power hitter or just a really good hitter No, just a, a very consistent hitter uh, I'm going to start off with hard hints, and it'll get easier. He went to college at the University of South Carolina. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> he has he typically plays between second base and left field. Um, is it Hunter Pence? No, he was not. I I don't actually no. I think he was playing in 2019, but it's not Hunter Pence. Um. Let's see, he used to play, at the time that he did this, he played in the AL Central. AL Central. Is it Kyle Tucker? Nope, that's not the AL Central. Oh, it's not? Nope, that's the okay. AL West. Oh, Texas is down the middle. Yeah. Uh, okay, keep giving me hints. Um... I can't really give you his nickname because it involves his name. Um, I think now he plays uh, with the Blue Jays. Ooh. Or last time I checked, I, I could be wrong. But... Hmm. Yes, he does play for the Blue Jays. He does play on the Blue Jays? Yes. He has, I think, for the last two years. I think he got traded there last year. That might help. Um, oh, man. When he was Is it Brandon Belt? No. No, uh, he's not been in the AL Central. Oh. Um I don't know who is it. Alright, it is Mr. Two Hit Wit Whit Merrifield. Oh man. Really? A 30th. Yeah. Thirty game hit streak. Wow, thirty game hit streak. That's insane. Yeah. Before that was uh Freddie Freeman. 
had a 20 or no yeah 27 game hit streak i think oh, wow. um, which was in 2016 dang i actually um wanted to go over this with you uh and this kind of goes off of really good hitters the mlb just released their hitter power rankings yep i want to see if you agree with the top three so obviously number one was luis arias yep and speaking of just consistent hitting, I thought this stat was absolutely unbelievable. He has at least 25 hits to each third of like a baseball diamond. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I've got actually some, some more fun facts about Luis Arise. Um, so as of so right now he's batting 403, but as of June 6th, when he was batting 399, second place in batting average was Bo Bichette, who was batting 333. Uh, that gap of 0.66 or 0.066 is the same as the gap between Bo Bichette in second place and Luis Garcia in 59th place. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Holy cow. But continue. He's in the 100th percentile uh, in whiff rate and K rate. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just ridiculous, but he's number one. Acuna is number two. And Freddie Freeman is number three. Is there anything you would change to that? Or do you no. agree with that? Nope. Not a single gotcha. thing I'd touch there. That sounds extremely accurate. Not even Freddie above Acuna? Hell no. <laughs> I ain't <Yeah>. doing that. <laughs> somebody <laughs> else can, be the guy. Yeah, somebody else can <laughs> say it. I'm not. <laughs> I like it, but that's uh that's all I have for all right. recap. That's perfect. Let's get into the weekend preview then. We've oh, got do it. not too many great matchups but a couple of good ones um obviously the best of the weekend rangers versus rays oh yeah that's a isn't that a rematch from a very beginning of the year right uh i is that the first series no that was uh rangers phillies i believe oh that's um, right yeah but still a fantastic matchup uh we'll get nathan eovaldi who has been hot versus Taj bradley who it kind of slowed down a little bit, but still been very good. We'll get them on Friday. Um, oh, sorry. That was Saturday. I'm an idiot. I don't know how to read. Um, <laughs> Friday, we'll be getting um, Andrew Haney versus Tyler Glasnow. So we'll finally get to see a little more Tyler Glasnow, who's only pitched 9.2 innings this season. Um, it's not looking good for my <laughs> prediction from the preseason of him winning AL Cy Young. <laughs> that's a you know what that's a that's a good hot take though <laughs> yeah um, it, it was hot looking, yeah it, it is hot <laughs> and it still could be hot we just got to believe um yankees red sox the first one of uh the entire season yeah is going to be this weekend and garrett cole pitches on friday so i'm yep. obviously buzzing for this one yeah i also dodgers uh phillies this weekend i think is gonna be very good because uh, I believe Friday's game um, is like the end of their rotation. So it's Michael Grove versus Ranger Suarez. Uh, but Saturday, I think it turns over to the top of the rotation. And we're going to get a pretty good matchup. Um, yeah, we'll have rookie Bobby Miller versus Aaron Nola. So hopefully Aaron Nola can get back on track. But Bobby Miller has looked fantastic. He's 2-0 and so far. A 1.06 ERA and 17 innings pitched. <laughs> We almost didn't mention him again. <laughs> or I know. Didn't mention him this time, but we kept the streak going. Um, 
The other two that I'm kind of looking at, Grayson, um, Mets Pirates, I think is going to be a good one. And yep. Mariners Angels, I think is going to be another good one. Yeah, Mariners Angels is a good one. It's big for the Angels. I think we talked about this last weekend going into their series oh, yeah. was that the Angels still kind of like they're very good. 33 and 30 is very good. They just need a little more because they keep they keep doing this thing where they lose over the weekend. They win the week series and then they lose over the weekend. I don't know what the deal is with this, but if you look back over the last, I think, two weeks, like they um, they, they finished the series against the Cubs today, but they've won the other two games against the Cubs. They lost the four-game series against the Astros. They won the series. <coughs> oh, shit. Bless you. Oh, oh, there. That one killed me. <laughs> oh, um, but... So they lose the series against the Astros. They win the series against the White Sox. They lose the series against the Marlins, and they won the series against the Red Sox. So <laughs> they just keep alternating, and it's fucking them over because the Astros haven't really been that good, and like they have had so many opportunities to jump, and they just haven't. Yeah, um, and that's kind of the thing that's you know making me kind of stressed out is they could have easily flown past the Astros at this point, who are you know. I think obviously like the better well-rounded team. The Astros have been kind of stagnant a little bit this year. And just like you said, the angels have not been able to take that first spot. Yeah. And they really need to, but Grayson, they have Otani and Mike Trout. Why can't they? Well, there's this little thing called pitching uh, and having hitters at the bottom of your lineup. And they have uh, struggled with both of those things. (laughs) Oh man. What a joke. All right. I think that's going to do it for the weekend preview. Let's do it. All right. NFL news. We're starting off with the the most recent news that came out. Dalvin Cook is released by the Vikings. And this has been oh. ongoing all offseason. We heard about the money and how it wasn't quite working on the Vikings side. And, like, they took him out of their Twitter banner and put Alexander Madison on there. Oh, like, man. They've done just about everything they could except cut him. And then last week comes out that um, in March there was a, a trade proposed to the Dolphins to trade him there. Um, but then they went into the draft, got Devin A-Chain to kind of beef up their running back room. And now Dalvin Cook has actually been released and he's posting pictures at the Dolphins Stadium. Adrian Peterson should go to the Vikings. <laughs> I would love it. It's the return, but dude, I, I, I'm actually pretty excited for this. You know, as a neutral fan, I don't think Dalvin was being used to his full potential there. Um, it is very clear. And I mean, even the Vikings, when they drafted Jordan Addison, it is very clear what they want to do on offense. Alvin Cook is, he's too good for that, yeah. in my opinion. So I'm excited. Yeah, he needs to be in a situation where he's going to get high usage. And uh, I think that, you know, he could go to the Dolphins. But once again, they're, uh, they're a passing offense with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. But, um, I think one that some people are kind of overlooking that kind of just popped in my brain when I saw this news was the Cowboys. I know that yeah. like Tony Pollard is already there, but you cut Zeke and you saw how well a two running back system worked with Zeke and Tony Pollard. 
imagine if you had a much better running back than Zeke with Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I mean, that, that'd be scary. But I think for me personally, when I, you know, think of all the uncertainty surrounding uh, Tua, I I like the Dalvin Cook signing to the to the Dolphins, I think, more. Yeah, yeah, I do as well. But the Cowboys would be nasty. <laughs> yes, they would. Love it. But let's go ahead and get the crime segment out of the way. Uh, this time, not players committing the crimes, which is nice. It's a good change. But also, this this is a horrible situation. So three separate Browns players have been robbed at gunpoint in the last couple of days. Uh, Greg Newsom II, Demetric Felton, and Perion Winfrey have all been robbed at gunpoint in the last couple of days. Like, this is insane. All in the Cleveland area as well. Maybe if they were a better football team. Uh, It'd be more untouchable. <laughs> could could be the case. Um, I, I think that the bigger part of this is that because these are, you know, high-profile athletes and the people in the area know who they are, they recognize yep. them. You know, they have they, they know how much these guys make. Like, in general, NFL players and professional athletes are just susceptible to this because people are going to see them in public. Yeah, I, all jokes aside, th- this is actually kind of fucked up. And, and it's a little bit strange because, like, you even have here in the um, – and, like, kind of the headline is it's in the last couple days. And that's just kind of – I don't know. That seems a little bit strange to me that, you know, all players from the same team in the same area have been robbed at gunpoint. Yeah, it's wild. It, it almost, it, if it's, if it's kind of like a systematic thing, you know, that would, that would really worry me to be a Browns player right now, honestly. Oh, in Cleveland? definitely. And in Perrion Winfrey's situation, the one that I got kind of the most details on, he was robbed of his car and jewelry outside of a Cleveland nightclub. Dang. That, that's scary stuff. Yeah, it, it is absolutely. It, it's got to be so concerning for obviously them because they were just robbed at gunpoint, but also their teammates and other NFL players around the league because – you know, you never think that that's what's going to happen to you. But I, I think when you're that high profile and you're in that situation, you, you know it's a possibility that, that somebody's going to just approach you. And, um, you know, this is just scary because, you know, if you're robbed at gunpoint that whole time, that person has your life in their hands. And that is yeah. extremely terrifying no matter who you are. Yeah, 100%. I, I hope that they can, you know, resolve whatever this is uh, yeah. pretty soon. Because if, it, if it's systematic, man, that's like, you know, like like just the, the three Browns players in just a couple days, like that almost seems like it's on purpose, like it's a target. Yeah. But, it's wild. Yeah. They got to figure it out, man. Yeah. Maybe the Cleveland Browns should be supplying guys uh, security detail. Yeah. Probably should. Yeah. I think that would be a good next step after this because three guys on your team all going in this same scenario is concerning for sure or just like you know maybe issuing like a little lockdown you know like try to stay in your house and like for like just three days i mean you're all rich you can do it (laughs) yeah exactly yep uh let's talk about brock purdy kyle shanahan went out in a press conference said that brock is right on pace he thinks it um he said he throws three times a week. Uh, 
Shanahan did say that he does not sit and watch them, but um, did acknowledge that throwing is part of his process of getting back, and he's continuing right on the track he's always been on. There has been no setbacks, and it's been very good so far. And That's very good news. Yeah, I, I couldn't be happier. I want to see Brock Purdy week one. Me too, and, and I think we will. Um, but he's uh, he's got to fight back the yips, man, because like, it, to me, it's just the perfect storm for him to play bad week one and, and not yeah. be the starter anymore by like week four. Yeah. I think but you're right because if he, because he has the opportunity that if he's not ready week one, he can kind of emerge from the bench. But if you do start week one, all the pressure's on you, and once you start playing bad, they're gonna bring in Trey Lance. Yes. Yep. Because Trey Lance is most likely gonna be there because Kyle Shanahan also confirmed that the 49ers have not talked to Trey Lance about any potential trades. Yeah, and I don't think they should, you know, because that's the thing about Brock Purdy. We loved watching him. He played well. He had an amazing game against the Seahawks in the that uh, that wild card game. But there's still a lot of uncert uncertainty around him. I think you you got to be careful if you want to, you know, if you want to make the smarter choice, keep Trey Lance around just a little bit longer. Yeah, I think that you know what, in your opinion, what point with Trey Lance does it get? to where it's like, did we waste a top five draft pick on him? Um, I think it could be as soon as how Brock Purdy plays this season. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, because he's now had two injury-shortened like injury shortened seasons now, um, and we haven't really got to see him play any meaningful football. Yeah, I mean... If Brock Purdy comes out next season and even gets the 49ers to like let let's say like I'll lowball it here. Let's say they make the wild card and lose in the wild card. He's still submitted as the starter and yeah. Trey Lance then becomes like the for sure second stringer. I'm at that point in my opinion. at the end of this coming season, if Trey Lance is still on this team and he didn't start a game, then I'm I'm picking up a draft pick. Yeah. You're Damn probably right. you're probably not getting a first, but unless you package it. Yep. But you could pick up some draft capital and you know chill with Sam Darnold as your backup. Exactly. You can give Trey Lance to the Titans when um, Will Levis doesn't work out. Yeah, and Ryan Tannehill doesn't work out, and, and Malik Willis yeah. continues not to work out. Yeah. <laughs> but oh man, I don't I don't know. The Forty ers certainly have some decisions to make come like preseason they do but you know what they have they have a very good problem yes correct have. yeah they're, they're in a, a pretty good situation other than the fact that now they're two candidates for the starting quarterback job both have kind of this history of injuries now with Brock Purdy's injury exactly yep so so that is a, a tough part about this situation but when you've got two guys as talented as the two of them you, you couldn't be happier Exactly. I mean, yeah, it does make a decision harder, but like it also, you know, you get into the realm of like, can we really make a bad decision depending on how Brock Purdy plays? Yeah. Well, even yeah. depending on how Trey Lance plays, because like we've said, you know, we haven't really seen him play all that much. Yeah, that is true. And I mean, his I, I, the one game I remember him from last season, Grayson, was like 
a just an awful rainy day in Soldier Field where there was like no passing going on anyway. That yeah. was really the only game I can remember him playing in last season, and that may have even been the game where he got hurt. I can't remember. Yeah, I I don't quite remember. Uh, it was like week one or two. I'm gonna interject real quick. Jake Berger just hit a, a big home run off of Mr. Luis Severino. Of course he did. <laughs> Yankees are down two zero, top of the second. At least Luis Severino um, didn't get hurt while he threw the ball. That's that's a fair point. Yep. <laughs> well, let's keep it with the 49ers real quick. Debo Samuel was asked about his season last year, and he characterized it as awful. He acknowledged that last year's offseason affected his performance and that he felt sluggish. Um, he said, I will never put anything like that on tape again. Wow. That's, that's what guys need to be saying. That's the what? mentality that you should have. I never want to see myself do that again. So, two questions. I, was he really not that good in 2022? And what offseason, what, what is he talking about in his offseason that made him feel that way? I, I think that, um, I think there was rumors kind of all offseason um, going around with Debo. I, I don't quite remember the details. I can't really remember that you know, back that far, but I have a feeling, you know, some things went on. I believe there was some rumors of him leaving last offseason. I remember that, yeah. And that probably was part of it because he, you know, when you have uncertainty in your job, um, that would probably affect you. And uh, I think that probably contributed to it. So I'm just glad that, you know, he wants to improve because last season wasn't horrible. It, It wasn't up to you know his personal standards for himself and it it really wasn't up to the standards that other people had for him especially coming off of 2021 but if he improves from last year then i'd i'd be happy with it no and i have to agree i I actually didn't really realize how kind of meh he was last season he finished last season with 632 yards and only two touchdowns and um only one game over a hundred yards receiving, and except for the uh, that wild card game against the Seahawks. So technically two if you count playoffs. But yeah, he really actually did kind of have a year off. But he played, I mean, the entire time though. Yeah. Well, you also got to factor in the the usage of running back as well, um, that he contributed. But um, true. Yep. It still wasn't crazy, especially once Christian McCaffrey got there. Um, yeah, I, I think that. You know, Debo is kind of primed to be very good next year. Uh, I think that the situation is panning out correctly for the 49ers to where you kind of understand what you have with this offense now because they have it kind of cemented as long as Brock Purdy comes back in because now you're going to have CMC for the full year. You know what Ayuk can do. Obviously, you have Kittle. If you have Purdy at quarterback and he looks like he did last year, then Debo knows exactly what his place is in this team, and it's the number one wide receiver. Yeah, I, I like that take. Um, definitely would like to see him go for at least 1,200 yards, I think. Yeah, I'd like to see that. And even if they want to use him a little bit in the running game, you know, we know that McCaffrey can get a little knocked up. So I, 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 I'm saying let's look for 1,200 receiving yards, six receiving touchdowns, um, we'll say 250 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown. 
like it. I don't know where I pulled those numbers from, and they're probably not going to be accurate whatsoever. But if they <laughs> if they are, somebody better come back and clip this when it happens. I was about to say they might need to get you on their like contract incentive team. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a dream come true. But let's talk about the Dolphins. Micah McDaniel was asked about Tua. Said that this dude is everything you look for in a starting QB. Um, and then said that he raved about Tua's professionalism uh, and the work that he puts in on his body. Noted that he's consistent as anyone this offseason. Um, I don't know if he's got everything you look for in a starting quarterback. Um, relatively soft head. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't even say that with a straight face. <laughs> you take this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I mean... Yeah, relatively soft head's going to be a problem there. Maybe like, you know, less less crooked fingers. Yep. This might get cut. Um No, it's but, not getting cut. <laughs> <laughs> other than that, you know, to a I, I think, you know, healthy, he a, a healthy couple seasons if he can if he can log in a healthy couple seasons. Dang, took me a second to get that out. I'm all flustered. Um I think you could see true growth in this guy. I, I, I definitely see franchise quarterback. I don't know about everything you look for, but definitely franchise quarterback. Yeah, I, I think that what Tua does have going for him, you know, outside of the health concerns, is it's very promising what we've seen from him when he's healthy. And that's the only question mark is can he stay on the field? Yeah. And I think until he can until he can play a full season, that's always going to be a big question mark for me. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. But let's talk about uh, what Raiders head coach Josh McDaniel dropped on us. He said that Josh Jacobs is not under contract. Um, I, I, I thought that maybe like him signing his franchise tag kind of slipped through the cracks. Nope, he just still hasn't signed his franchise tag. So he's not going to be at mandatory minicamps. And uh, apparently he showed up to everything. Uh, you know, otherwise, but uh, once again, of course, Josh McDaniel spoke highly of Josh Jacobs and is respectful of this whole you know process with negotiating this contract. But the Raiders are going to be in a real bad spot if Josh Jacobs does not come back. Exactly, and it kind of looked like in um, a couple of press conferences, like in the locker room after games, um, towards the end of last season, that Josh Jacobs was super fed up with this organization. So. It's really good to see, you know, his perfect attendance, although he hasn't, you know, signed anything yet. And it's also awesome to see Josh McDaniels, you know, kind of, you know, just showing him respect as as he deserves. So um, I, I feel like the Raiders are definitely fucked if he doesn't sign. But, I mean, the relationship sounds to be pretty good. Yeah, at least between the head coach. So, you know, there's really no telling, you know, where that discrepancy is. It's probably in the money. That it's probably the case, and in in that case, then they're not respecting Josh Jacobs at least at the you know management level. But he is uh, uh, an an invaluable asset to this team. A hundred percent, especially last season, man. Last season was crazy. Yeah. Um, Derek Carr said that Michael Thomas was a big part of his decision to come to New Orleans said that they talked a lot over the offseason and that he spent the last couple days finally talking to him on the football field. Um, The most surprising part about this is Michael Thomas being on a football field. (laughs) 
Oh man, I love it. Um, but hey, I mean that's that's pretty positive if you're a Saints fan. You know, you already have your quarterback and wide receiver connection being established. But I love Michael Thomas. He he definitely is like probably one of my favorite NFL players, honestly. But I I need to hear more about Chris Olave here. What what's Chris Olave yep. and Derek Carr talking about? Because Chris Olave. He's going to be another big part of the offense that definitely needs to become, you know, a, a bigger part next season, I think. Yeah, he was already like the the biggest part of their offense last year, and I yeah. hope he does better, except for against yeah. the Falcons. Even outplayed Alvin Kamara. I, I mean, actually, you know, with you just saying that, you're exactly right. Chris Olave as a rookie was the best part of the Saints offense, and he wasn't even bad at all. No. He's great. No, he was he was fantastic. Um I I just I don't get why people. It seems like a lot of people are saying some good stuff about the Saints coming into next year. I don't even think like they by far had probably the I'd probably say the the second worst off season um, in their division. Yeah, you lost one of your best defensive linemen to the Falcons, and you lost numerous other defensive players like to the Panthers and like other players as well left. Um, and, you know, yeah, you probably had a better offseason than the Buccaneers, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't get what what did the Saints really improve other than picking up Jamal Williams and Derek Carr? Yeah, I mean, nothing really, except for if you want to count the fact that Michael Thomas, like, is going to be healthy at the start of well. this year. I mean, you're getting him back, but – you know, who knows with him? Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I, I think for the Saints, it's more just exciting stuff that's kind of clouding, like, other parts of the team that are yeah. horrible still. <laughs> yeah, agreed. So, yeah, uh, I think that's what it is. But, they, I mean, they've made a lot of big-name moves, but, you know, going back to what I kind of just said, is it, it they're not going to be as good as the attention that they're getting, I think. Yeah, I, I don't like I see them with a losing record next year. I do too. But uh let's talk about this. Cooper Cup was asked about Stetson Bennett and uh Cup said he's definitely the most athletic quarterback from Georgia that we've got on our team. Oh wow. <laughs> I, I think this is Brett Stafford? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a pretty easy one to get to. <laughs> no, it definitely is, but uh I mean, that's high praise. Dude's a MVP, is he not? Didn't Cooper Cup win the MVP? Uh, no, I oh, thought he just no. won an Offensive Player of the Year. He, he's a Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, that's what I got confused with. Right. But, yeah, still high praise for Stetson, who's lined up to be the second-string quarterback. <laughs> I just can't believe that, that that's even a thing, man. <laughs> I, I, I really yeah. can't. I, I have hated... As a student at UGA, I have not not necessarily been against Stetson Bennett, but I have hated all the love he gets because I think he's average. I cannot believe he's a second-string quarterback on the Rams. I didn't think he was going to go to the NFL. I definitely thought he was going to. I don't know how long he'll last, but I'm still like feet in the ground stuck here saying that Stetson Bennett <laughs> will be the quarterbacks coach for Georgia in a very short amount of time. Yeah, I mean I w- I would like to see it honestly. Um he <laughs> it's just his story is crazy, man. I I thought he yeah. wanted to be a lawyer. 
I'm pretty sure he's a law student or was a law student. <laughs> he didn't graduate, so it doesn't matter. No. Uh, he didn't graduate. Why didn't he graduate? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows, dude? He had six years to do it. <laughs> oh, man. Got arrested a couple times, won a couple yeah. natties. You know, it's the typical Georgia fucking quarterback shit. I was about to say, no, nah, that's just like <laughs> typical college kids do that. Mm-hmm. Stay in college till you're fucking 25 or 26. Uh, it, don't, your- don't graduate, <laughs> get arrested in Texas. God, man. Win a couple natties. Yep. Heisman finalists. I, <laughs> I tread lightly when I say that I don't like him. I, I promise it's only because I think he's average. I, yeah. I, if you're on UJ's campus and you love Stetson Bennett, jump Luke. Jump Luke. I, <laughs> hey, you know what, though? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of people that agree with me on that campus that I've talked to. Oh, so yeah. There, there's, a, there's a big legion of us. But, hey, Stetson, you know. Keep, keep repping us, man. Yeah, keep showing th- Thanks for the natties. Thanks for the natties. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This one kind of just goes back to some shit we already knew, <laughs> but a little more in detail. Uh, according to Derek Anderson, a former Cardinals player, he said that the Cardinals are the most dysfunctional t- team he's been on. He said that they had to pay for water, Gatorade, and sweatsuits, and they also got charged for lunch. Brutal. See, like, why can't this stuff come out when he actually is on the team? Because I think Derek Anderson is that he's a quarterback, right? Um, I don't. I think I've heard of Derek Anderson before. Let me look it up real fast. NFL. Yeah, yeah, he is a quarterback. Yeah. yeah, he's been around the league for a while. He's played on a couple different teams, but like, say this when it's actually happening, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the crazy part is, is that he played in Arizona in 2010. These were issues that were brought up this offseason. Yeah. So they've just been doing this to players. Like, think about the fact that Larry Fitzgerald spent his entire career paying for his own fucking lunch. Yeah. Yep. It's fucking ridiculous. You are a professional NFL team. The fucking commanders are worth $6 billion. You're certainly worth somewhere around that. And you're still charging people for fucking water and Gatorade? Dude, that's why I'm glad that we uh, we covered the, um, the like report the, cards. The rankings. Yeah, the report yeah. cards. It's like, it, of course, you know, as fans, we obviously didn't know that this was going on. But, like, this is, like, serious shit that needs to be talked about. And like fixed immediately because the yeah. teams have the money immediately to fix it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, no, it's it's fucking ridiculous. And um, let's talk about something else that's pretty ridiculous. So, for some reason, it always falls on the Wednesday episodes with Brock, where we end up talking about the players that um, are you know getting suspended or being investigated for breaking the league's gambling policy, but. Uh, head coach or commander's head coach Ron Rivera said that he was uh, he recently showed a PowerPoint to players about the consequences of betting on games, uh, and the, the NFL will also make a presentation this week and again during training camp about what's at stake if they do gamble. The problem is is that they're not informing like they hadn't informed players of this prior. These rules have been in place for quite a while now, and. Now all of this shit is coming out. They already have suspended multiple players. They're investigating tons and tons more. Like I'm pretty sure there's a player on the Colts right now that's getting investigated for betting on their own games, which is really bad. And 
it just seems like nobody's told them what to do about it. Nobody has laid out the rules. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. And I, I think, you know, it's kind of one of those cases where like, you know, hey, look, we're, we're all humans. We, you know, we get that code of conduct for school and like, you know, read this and check the box to like move on. We're not reading the box. We're not reading the code of conduct. We're only checking the boxes, right? And I think, you know, with this growing, um, this growing, uh, how do I want to put it? Like, you know, gambling is becoming a lot more popular yeah. it, just with like DraftKings and other, you know, websites like that and apps that it definitely needs to be talked about for sure. Um, more now than ever. And I, I, I'm glad to see that Ron Rivera is kind of picking up on the trend and, you know, honestly just trying to do a favor for his players. Yeah. And this my biggest problem is that this should have already been happening and it shouldn't take the teams to do it specifically. The NFL should be doing this. The NFL should be informing as soon as those rules started, they should have sent out NFL employees to present these rules to every single player. It should be very well stated to every single player that enters this league what these rules are because now you're fucking players over and me and Brock talked about this on Wednesday. When you fuck your players over, you fuck over your organization and your league. And that is where they're fucking up here. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, and it's kind of um, to, to turn this into the bigger picture. It's always this notion of like, I feel like owners make the rules. Every decision comes down to the owner's it, it truly is all about the players. It's always been about the players. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're the market. It's not the owners. So I, I feel like just in general to what you just said, the players just need to have more say. They need to be paid more attention to. Yep. And before we get into this last part of NFL news, Luis Robert just went deep. Oh, man. <laughs> Severino's struggling a little bit. Uh, White Sox up. He is three, made two. out of glass. So. That's true. He's really not pitching that bad, but um, yeah, let's let's talk about this last thing though. The Jags unveiled the plans for their new stadium. Uh, it, it's crazy. It, obviously, these are just renderings. It's probably gonna look like shit when they actually build it, but <laughs> it looks pretty cool now. And even crazier, so it's gonna be a two billion dollar development. One billion of that will be um, paid for by the city, and one billion of that will be paid by their owner. Shad Khan, which is wild. Oil. Dang, and it's right by like a like a like a dock too, like a harbor. Yeah, um, it looks kind of cool, crazy though. Like it's, it, I think it's glass looking. Is that right? Because it's very that's, reflective. That's what I see. Yeah, but Dang, that's nuts. Yeah, no, it's crazy, and like the renderings of the the things inside the stadium are just as crazy. But I don't know. It just gives me like uh, I'm gonna be honest. It looks like a glass version of Allianz Arena. Yeah, it, it does kind of have like a similar <laughs> shape to Allianz Arena. But I mean, yeah. hey, on the other side of that, Allianz Arena is that's a cool stadium to copy if you're gonna Certainly copy one. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's just like a reflective glass, but. Yeah, that interior looks crazy. Yeah, if they can pull it off, that that's gonna be nuts. Yeah, I, I don't like the 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 way that like the the supports on the ceiling look. I, I would have thought the Jags would have just had an open stadium. 
since you're in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, true. But yeah, these renderings look fantastic. And I bet, the- I bet those September games in August are, or no, September, no. September games in Jacksonville. I, yes. I, I bet it gets muggy. September games in August have never happened in NFL history. I can confirm you, that. It's really hard <laughs> to do that. Sure is. What most people would say. <laughs> but, no, I, I know what you're saying. It, it certainly would be pretty fucking hot. Um, yes. But even maybe a retractable roof. I think that's the best thing that has happened to NFL stadiums is retractable roofs. Have you um have you been to Mercedes Benz with the roof open? Yeah, been to a Falcons game and a Atlanta United game. Nice. Have you ever been to a game while it's closed? Uh, yeah, the Falcons game I went to, it was closed. So I can't explain it, and it may have just been the weather, but I've only actually been to one Atlanta United game when the roof was open, and it actually felt much better than when the roof was closed. It was almost like whatever technology they had in the stadium somehow like I don't know how to explain it. It just it genuinely felt better with the roof open. Okay. Weird. Yeah, I, I think in there. my idea uh, I'm not too worried about weather like climate wise or like temperature wise. I'm more worried about, you know, inclement weather. So like, you know, if it's raining and like pouring down rain and like lightning, you could still have the game as long as your stadium is actually closed. But, like, the Rams, the way that they did it, they essentially just have, like, a cover over the stadium. So when there is lightning in the area, they still can't have a game. Yeah. Right. So that is kind of – it's kind of a weird thing. So I'm, I'm much more of a fan of retractable – you either got to go retractable roof or dome. But I think when you live in a place or, you know, you play in a place with such nice weather like Jacksonville, Florida, you got to go retractable. I completely agree. Yeah, that's a good point. Because, like, in the wintertime, you know, you're going to want that roof open. Yeah. Jacksonville. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's get into this top three, bottom three, projected oh, starting quarterbacks it. 2023. This is kind of a mixture of, like, who's going to play the best next year and, like, who we want to see play well next year. Um, yes. I think that's the best way to categorize our ideas here. Uh, Luke, you're first on the top three, so you can go ahead and get it started. Oh, man. I don't know if I want to go obvious. I, okay, I'm not going to go obvious. Give me Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Ooh. legend from my childhood, new team, very talented new team. Um, you know, we, I mean, go on and on. Young team. Uh, so I, I think he's going to play very well, and I wish the best for him, New York. Yeah, I, I, I want Aaron Rodgers to succeed and to, like, I want to see like a, a refreshed Aaron Rodgers because what we saw from him last year is not what we want to be seeing. Yeah, have you seen him in uh, his uh, his celebration with Sauce Gardner? No, I haven't. They literally like are, are holding like a like a joint in their hand, like smoking <laughs> together. <laughs> <It's their> celebration. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. <laughs> Yeah, it is pretty cool. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go ahead and make my pick. I'm going to go... Let's see, I'm going to go with my not obvious one, I guess. It's Justin Fields. I Ooh. want him to be good. I want the Bears to be good next year. And I want... I want and I think Justin Fields is going to take a big step um, this coming season. Uh, I, You know, look, he's got the, the intangibles and, and you know... He does what you want to see. It's just 
sometimes he doesn't do what he should. And it's the decision-making that needs to be worked on with Justin Fields because he's got an arm, you know, whether it's as consistent as you'd like, uh, you know, whatever. But what he can do on a football field is nothing short of amazing. And if we can, you know, see the Bears' offense kind of maximize his abilities, I think that Justin Fields could easily be one of the top quarterbacks next year. On top of DJ Moore, too, dude. Oh, I'm so yeah. excited. Very excited. Um, I'm going to go with another not obvious one. Give me uh, give me kind of Brock Purdy. I-, I want some Brock Purdy for my second pick because I I just would love to see him do well. I, I would actually like to see him become a better quarterback than last season. I, I want to see him, you know, have many more games where he is the focal point of the offense. I want to see some 300-yard like, you know, three to four touchdown games out of him. I, I really want to see him take the next step with this 49ers team. I love that take. Uh, I'm going to go with Lamar Jackson with the bag oh, yes. now with some more weapons. <laughs> OBJ, the shit play lover. <laughs> Zay Flowers. Yeah, yeah, Zay Flowers. <laughs> I kind of knocked myself <laughs> off with that one. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I want to oh, see man. Lamar Jackson with the bag play hungry dude like when when you think about it it's typically the guys that get the long-term deals that end up kind of slowing themselves down but look lamar has got to this is a prove it deal in my eyes even though it's five years he's really got to prove that he's worth it because he is the highest paid player in the nfl in nfl history you've got to back it up on the field so Oh man, I, I think I think for me though, you know, it's fair to mention that he has to stay healthy. Yes, I, I want to see him actually ready for playoff games. I, I tread lightly in saying that I want to see Lamar Jackson ready in a playoff game, but I feel like you know he's got to live up to that contract now, and the way to do that is to bring Baltimore their third Super Bowl. I think so. Yeah. Uh. Let's see. My number three, I have Patrick Mahomes here because I, you know, I thought we were doing the best. And I, I still think we haven't seen the best of Patrick Mahomes. I think Agreed. he'll have one or two more seasons of just complete and utter, just, you know, record breaking um, seasons. But I mean, Kenny Pickett, I, I, I like the notion that I'm following of like, you know, <laughs> one of my, my lower end takes, I guess, not like my top guys. Kenny Pickett. I really, really want to see the next step being taken. And I think it's a really, really good young, but also, you know, peppered and salted with the veterans where the Steelers need them. I think a good storm is brewing. I hope Kenny Pickett can play in a playoff game next year. No comment. That's, that's fine. That's it. No comment. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of quarreling with the same thing you did, where like yeah, of course, I have Patrick Mahomes and like Jalen Hurts on here, but I'm going to take Justin Herbert. I want him to – look, he's shown it. He has been stellar in these first couple of years of his career, and I like this is the time to just like win an MVP. Right before you're going to get paid, this would be the time to do it. And, I, and he's got it in him. Time. I like that one. All right, bottom three, man. Get the first one. You know what? 
I was gonna do it, but now that you picked I'll him on the it. top, uh, now that you picked him on the top three, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take Kenny Pickett here. But bottom three, Kenny Pickett. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? Not a fan of his game. Um, okay. Small I'm gonna hands, take right? one. Yeah, exactly. I'm a big hand guy. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna take Mac Jones. I, I like that one. Uh, there's nothing about Mac Jones that excites me. Nothing that he does on a football field. The most exciting things that Mac Jones has done is throw to Devontae Smith in college. That is 100% fact. You can't even argue it. Yeah. And, the, like, the Patriots offense, I, I, there's not much going on. Like, yeah, you picked up Juju. Congrats. But, you just, I don't know, it's going to help your social media team. But A lot of like, the Fortnite kids, Patriot fans. Yeah, like the only reason I'd be watching Patriots football this year is to, like, if I draft Ramondre Stevenson in fantasy. Watch Bill Belichick's facial expressions. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to see those on Twitter. I don't need to watch a full game. That's true. Yeah. But also the best um, the best pass of Mac Jones' career was to uh, Chandler Jones. Well, it didn't directly get to him, but <laughs> it eventually got there. And then he got stiff. You're very right. Yep. You're. Oh my god, dude! The fact that he got stiff armed on that play just made that all the all oh, the better. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, dang, I got I got three memes for my bottom three, Grayson. I hope you don't take one, honestly. Go ahead. Um, my first one, give me Dak Prescott. Oh yeah. Um Hell yeah. it is starting to become a it, it truly is a liability for this Cowboys offense because they they are very, very talented uh, over in Dallas, I think. Uh have always had a good receiving core. Even like back in when Tony Romo was still playing, I felt like the Cowboys always had really good receivers. Um Decent running backs for a while, a while now. A really good offensive line, but ever since Dak took over in 2016, he has been the main liability to them winning football games. Even his rookie year, I I, I would say that he could have played better against the Packers when they knocked him out with that ridiculous Jared Cook catch. Yeah, it it all comes down to Dak and that 49ers game. Cowboys kept it close, but. I couldn't finish. It, it it all comes down to him. So that's why he makes the top of my bottom three is because he is making a very good team. He, he's the reason why they can't, you know, progress in an NFL season is because of him. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I think yeah. it's almost arguable that we want to watch Dak next year, but not for the right reasons. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, I think with this one, I'm going to take – I'm going to take Matthew Stafford. No. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Uh, I, I like I feel bad taking it, but I, I don't know. Nothing like the mo- the most exciting thing that's going to happen in that offense is Cooper Cup. Yeah. And, and I just feel like Matthew Stafford is not he's not going to be the player that's propelling this offense to be good. That's the way I see his impact at this point in his career. I think I like that take. I, I will say I, I think a healthy Matthew Stafford will 
It's the difference between the Rams being a playoff or a non-playoff team, though. Oh, yeah, certainly. But they it, it, it's absolutely brutal to you know think about that they are like still hung over from that Super Bowl, especially you, Frat Stafford. Um, I'm, I'm expecting a real big uh, bounce back season, but who knows what will happen. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take an obvious one. Uh, Russell Wilson. I yeah. truthfully, Grayson, wouldn't mind if this was his last season in the NFL. But it's okay. <laughs> the Broncos bought him, you know, brought him back for nine more years for, you know, a billion dollars. So we'll get to see a lot of him still. <laughs> that would be crazy if it was his last season. I, I wouldn't mind. Would you mind? No. I know you wouldn't mind. I exactly. hate him as I a person. Would. I hate him on a personal yeah. level. Oh, man. Russell Wilson, absolutely brutal NFL player. And it's just, <laughs> I wish it wasn't the Broncos. Why couldn't it have happened to, like, an AFC North team? Because I, I don't mind the Broncos, but I fucking hate Russell Wilson. Yeah. Which leads me to prey on their downfall. So That's fair. Yep. All right. Well, I'm going to prey on some more downfalls. Um I'm going to just take whoever ends up being the Titans starter, Tannehill or Levis. <laughs> yeah. Forget about Willis. <laughs> yeah, no, Malik Willis is never going to start. Um, but between those two, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm cool if both of them suck. Will Levis is that NFL prototype. Yeah, whatever. I know I've said that verbatim. Doesn't matter. I still don't like him. I like that. All right, um, you get you get to round it out. Give me Deshaun Watson. He's a rapist. <laughs> Plain and simple. Let's move on. Plain and simple. Yeah, <laughs> Browns quarterback. I mean, there there's a lot more I could say, but rapist. There we go. Sex uh, sexual harasser. I don't think yes. you raped anybody. Saw is regular. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Towel puller. All right. UCL final preview. Oh, boy. Saturday, Istanbul at the Ataturk Olympiad Stadium, Man City versus Inter. I don't even know what to say about this match. I think it's going to be fucking phenomenal. I don't see how Manchester City don't win their first UCL title. Correct. But I still think it's going to be a good game. I actually like that take because I completely agree with you. I think Inter Milan will surprise a lot of people. Inter Milan can defend very, very well. And Andre Onana is having one of the best seasons of his entire career. And, you know, he's a great shot stopper. I mean, they, dare I say, Inter Milan truly have the facilities to slow Manchester City. But will it be enough? There's literally nothing I can say. At, or there's nothing I've read or seen that tells me that Manchester City won't have enough offensive power to even get through Inter Milan. Yeah, exactly. The 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 key today or on Saturday for Man City is goals. That's all they do. They just score goals. Erling Holland, the leading goal scorer in the UCL this year with 12, and you have okay Gundogan who just came off of a brace. Um, in the FA Cup final, like there are just goals flying off the feet of Manchester City players left and right, and it, it just seems like it's going to be too much for Inter Milan. The only way that I can see Inter Milan winning this game, which is just this is just a hypothetical situation, I personally don't think this is going to happen. 
Inter Milan hold it to a nil-nil draw after being just completely battered by shots and possession. Lukaku comes on for either Zeko or Martinez and scores. That's the only, I think, hope Milan have is having Lukaku as a super sub who can come in and already start wearing down a tired Ruben Diaz, Nathan Ake, and Kyle Walker, and Inter Milan are just going to have a smash and grab goal. That's the only outcome I see them winning yeah. in. Yeah. You know what I what I want to see in this match is Jack Grealish score a goal. How's that? I feel so bad for how bad he has been this season. <laughs> yeah. Like he he obviously and he's aware of it too. Like he said, like in an interview, like he feels bad with how awful he has been this season, and it just sucks. Like he was a very promising player when he came in. And it just seems like he's going to end up being another one of those like great player stuck at a club and ends up just kind of being a, a substitute. Yeah, he um he's very replaceable. Yeah, I think at this point, and, and with a team that seems to have a pretty good knack at you know finding talent on top of the money that they can throw around, Jack Grealish is easily replaceable. Yeah, certainly. And, and, like, the players that they've even been able to bring up through their youth. Like, now we're seeing not only the effects of, obviously, their money, but that they have a decent youth system as well. Yeah, very true. So Very true. But, you know, on Inter's side, with, you know, Edin Dzeko and, obviously, Lukaku on the bench, but just all around the squad, they have guys that can come out there and show out. It's about everybody's showing out because that's what they're going to need if they want to win. Exactly. And I know I've talked about this before, but, you know, Inter Milan right now in, you know, the Europe's top leagues, they play the best three back with like your kind of left and right wing back formation out of anybody right now. The Dumfries and DeMarco combo is, <laughs> to me, it's all their defense and all their offense. It's the most important part of their entire team. And on top of that, it also comes down to, you know, how good of a Zeko we're going to get, how good of a Lautaro Martinez are we going to get, how good of a Barella we're going to get. You know, these players that have stepped up for them all season that really haven't been tested in the UCL final before, it's how they're going to step up as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, I feel like that with this team, they're – there's so many guys that are just like primed to have a good game. The problem is when they don't, how bad this team plays when they don't have a guy play just a fantastic game. And obviously, you know, one guy can show out when you're playing against, you know, a bottom half Italian team. But when you're playing against Manchester City, Everybody's got to be on the same page. Everybody has to be just thriving off of their teammates' abilities. And I think that's where Inter Milan misses out. You know, let's say, you know, Lukaku or Dzeko has a good game, Lautaro Martinez doesn't. Or, you know, in the midfield, uh, Brozovic has a good game, but then um, Chalon Lu and whoever else is in the midfield doesn't have a good game. Like, this just, it, it seems to keep happening. And it's, it's going to be very hard to beat a team like Manchester City if all of your guys are not on the same page. Very true, but luckily for Inter Milan's case, we haven't really seen an inconsistency out of them since that Benfica 
um, quarterfinal or round of 16. You know, they were perfect against Porto, it seemed. No, they played well against Benfica. Porto is where they struggled. Yeah. Porto is like the last time I think we've seen inconsistency out of Inter Milan's UCL lineup because they absolutely smacked Benfica. They smacked AC Milan. So, you know, they're on a pretty damn good run of form, at least in the Champions League. But as we both know, they're meeting an absolute giant. I, I mean, I, I cannot describe how good I think this Manchester City team is, although it pisses me off and I hate how good they are. They're, they're one of the best teams I've ever watched in my entire life. Seriously. Yeah, no, they they really are. And, and like, I'm I'm going to be surprised if Manchester City doesn't, like, just put up some insane year even next year. Because, like, it seems like a lot of the guys they've got are staying around and they're, you know, interested in getting some more people. But, like, you have one of the best keepers in the world with Ederson. You have this fantastic defense of just plenty of guys that can cycle in and out, whether you go three at the back or four with Ruben Diaz and Laporte and Akanji and Ake and Kyle Walker. Like, all of these guys can go out there and kick ass. And then you have John Stones in the midfield now, but you could throw him in defense. But the midfield, you have Kevin De Bruyne and Ilkay Gundogan, of course. You can throw Bernardo Silva on the wing. You can put him at cam. You have one of the best holding midfielders at Rodri. Calvin Phillips comes off the bench, and he is kind of a hot commodity. At least he was last year in the transfer window when they picked him up. He was like a, a hot, a hot player to pick up. He's fantastic. And then even just in the attack. Obviously, Erling Holland, the best striker in the world. Julian Alvarez is one hell of a backup. And then yes. Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, and Riyad Mahrez all do their thing when they're on the field. And it's just like absolutely ridiculous to even just be graced with the with the uh, <laughs> option of watching this team. Oh, 100%. And I actually just read Grayson. Uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan is actually rumored as doubtful for this game. Which is just Ugh. another another blow for Inter, but I have some uh, some history of both these teams. I, I always feel like you know it's good for the teams and the fans to look back at both of this team these teams uh, Champions League history before you know they actually play each other. So Manchester City, there really is no Champions League history, which is just that that rolls off the tongue so nicely. But in the last three years, they've made it to the Champions League twice, which is absolutely phenomenal. It's kind of given me like Real Madrid vibes from like, you know, six to five years ago. But obviously, Manchester City fell short to my beloved Chelsea in 2021. It's kind of brutal that I can't even recognize that Chelsea team anymore. But hey, Manchester City, bottom line, they've made it twice in three years. Inter Milan, though, haven't made it in 13 years. Their last appearance was in, in 2010, and I have some cool facts for you, Grayson, about that Inter Milan uh, 2010 team. They won the Serie A, the Coppa Italia, and the UCL final uh, against Bayern Munich, all under Jose Mourinho, so one of the many trebles that he's won. Uh, this Inter Milan team had the likes of Samuel Eto'o, Javier uh, Zanetti, Thiago Mata, Julio Cesar, uh, Maicon, Wesley Snyder, Charisma, Melito, the biggest Ballon d'Or snub of all time, Melito, Balotelli, uh, Marco Ma uh, Materazzi, 
was on this team. That's who yeah. Zidane headbutted. Yeah. And a young Marco Arnautovic. I never even knew he played for Inter oh. Milan, but yeah, I he was on that team as well. I did not know he was on that team. That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> yeah, it's it's uh it's been a minute for Inter Milan. So they you know definitely need to try to make it count. <laughs> Do what they can. Yeah, I, I guess let's go ahead and give some score predictions. I, I it's hard to not say Man City. Um, I'm gonna take them two one. I think it's still going to be a good game. I just think that Man City's going to best them. 3-1 Man City. All right. Yep. Yeah, I'm excited to watch this one. I, I think I'll actually be at work. Yeah, I will, of course. But yeah, nonetheless, I'll be following <laughs> along. Um, For sure. It seems like I just miss every single Champions League game. <laughs> like, I'm either at work or I'm – Recording the podcast, whatever it may be, I've missed the games. So this probably won't be any different, but I'll certainly go back and watch the highlights. Dude, just wait until second and short is going to the Champions League final. Dude, that'd be fucking sick. Okay, actually, before we move on from this, I want to ask you about this, and, and it, I guess it does kind of tie into a couple of things in transfer news, but um, since we're talking about the Champions League and you know UEFA, all that, I, I want to kind of pose this question to you with you know regarding the PGA Tour and the Live merger where Saudi Arabia has now bought in to a professional sports league in America you know they started with the WWE I don't consider that a sports league but oh whoa, whoa. It, it's not a sports league <laughs> not a sports league you mean acting and taking steroids is not a sport no well I guess that's just what they did in baseball for like 20 years. But um, <laughs> no, I don't. And I want to ask you this. With this you know, emergence of you know, the Saudi Arabian teams signing European players, do you think that the Saudi Arabian government, or their, I guess their FA, are going to try and lobby UEFA into allowing Saudi Arabia to participate in European competition? You know, oh man, that's such a good question. And uh, you, you're treading in. You're, this is a very, very good question, Grayson. I, I mean, like, round of applause. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I, I thought this one up by myself uh, when I was kind of writing this prep sheet. I was like, holy shit, like this is a possibility at this point. It, nothing is out of, the, out of the realm of possibilities from what we've seen transpire. Exactly. I... If I was the Saudi government, shit, I would probably try to. Yeah. I mean, and, and as a fan, I, you know, I, I hate, um, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of hard to say as a fan. I almost would kind of like not mind to see like some of the best Saudi teams that have been able to, you know, sign. And we're going to go into many, you know, whenever we talk into the transfer rumors in a couple minutes, but like, yeah. There are some players that I would love to still watch play. And if that means in the Champions League where, you know, it makes it even more competitive, if they could fit it in a way that doesn't take anything away from European teams, go ahead. Yeah, I think that kind of the 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 thing that almost allows them the opportunity to even try this is that Israel um has teams that can compete in the uh in the Champions League. And I'm pretty sure Israel is part of UEFA. So, you know, them being technically in Asia, they wouldn't 
necessarily compete in it, but they're a part of UEFA. So they, you know, uh, I think it's Tel Aviv, like their main team, um, could participate in Champions League. And I believe Israel has competed in um, Euros. Wow. I could be wrong. I, I'm I'm pretty sure that's right, though. I think you're right too. At okay. least on Israel, complete um, participating in Euros for sure. Yeah, which would mean they're a part of UEFA, which would allow them a qualification spot. <clears throat> but um, I think that this is certainly something that could happen. Look, money talks, and the Saudi Arabians have infinite. So. Yeah. You know, if if they're just going to sit here, you know, we all know that soccer federations are, are not opposed to uh, taking a little money on the side. So they're definitely not. But um, I, I'm actually looking at it now, Grayson. Uh, Israel plays Belarus in a Euro qualifier on June 16th. This okay. Year. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. But yeah, uh, so what do, you, what do you think about, like, if that does happen, if Saudi Arabia does you know, lobby to become a part of UEFA, uh, you know, what do you see, uh, I guess, what's your reaction to that happening? You know, let's say it happened today, what would your reaction be? I would just be, I, I think I would be more shocked than happy or mad. Um, You know, because on one hand, which we just talked about, it would give, you know, players to be on that kind of um worldwide uh, stage again, you know, like, the players, like, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say, you know, like, A.K. Gundogan, who's rumored for Saudi Arabia, N'Golo Conte, Kareem Benzema, that have signed for the same Saudi Arabian team. It, it would give them, you know, the platform, and it would give the fans the platform to see them play again. But on the other hand, though, it also mean it, it, it gives the Saudi, uh, Saudi Arabian League way more of an incentive to kind of, like, play there. Because now you get Champions League if you if you leave and take that huge pay increase you yeah. still get your champions league unlike if you were to take that pay increase and go to china like other players were doing and, and i feel like you know if you compare china uh the chinese soccer league to saudi arabia yeah they both have money but if saudis can get into ucl that i feel like almost eliminates any reason for a player to want to go to china yeah uh, like i think you know if that option was available Maybe we see like Andres Iniesta ending up there instead of Vissel Kobe. Like, Japan, there's yeah. like, uh, Hulk is in China, I believe. Um, you know, numerous yes. other players have ended up in China and Japan because they're willing to pay a lot of money. But if Saudi Arabia can compete in a Champions League, why would you not want to go there? You know, especially in your older age. Exactly. Yeah. But I think at the I same time, what could come with that is you know the Saudi Arabian teams are thinking you know we can't just you know load up our team with a bunch of old guys if we want to compete in you know the Champions League or the Europa League whatever you know we need yep. to start getting young guys and and now that's going to create this idea where guys you know like Jude Bellingham who you know is probably on the move here now you know maybe they offer Borussia Dortmund two hundred million for him, and he's not going to go to Real Madrid. He's going to go to Al Ittihad. Yeah, and kind of like what we were talking about pre-recording when we talked a little bit into the Saudi league. All I'm saying, I hope I get that channel. That's yeah. the only way it's going to make me happy. And That's even it. then, it's it, it's not the Prem. It's not the Serie A. It's not the Bundesliga. It's not La Liga. 
it'll never be that to us. Yeah. So, and that's kind of the one thing that, you know, holds back China or the Saudi Arabians. And it, it's something that they will probably never be able to break. Yeah. Even with all that money. Yeah, that's true. Well, I do know that the uh, the Saudi PIF, the the uh, public investment fund, they have a connection to the CW. So, uh, you know, oh, wow. now that the Live Golf is not going to be on CW, um, maybe they could just put some soccer matches on. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> but let's go ahead and get into the transfer news. I, I I didn't I didn't mean to blindside you with that one. I thought of it oh. after I sent you the prep sheet. So. That was a, a phenomenal question, and uh, I really want you to just go ahead and say this first thing. Okay. Yep. We'll we'll do it. <laughs> All right. All right. This is going to be hard for me because I I really didn't want this to happen. I'm going to be honest. What? It, I, I, we'll get to it. Okay. Okay. My bad. <laughs> the greatest player of all time, undisputed, Lionel Messi is joining Inter Miami. Um. So it originally looked like. He would go to Inter Miami, and then he would go on loan to Barcelona. Now, looks like that's not happening. He's just going to Inter Miami. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, I have been saying it for probably two to three years now. That I do not understand why a Cristiano Ronaldo, more, more Cristiano Ronaldo than Messi, but I don't understand why either of them haven't played in the MLS already with how big social media has become and how big their influence is and how big their brands are. I would, you not want to play in America. And I obviously uh, business aside, uh, the MLS will cannot offer what La Liga can uh, obviously like, like, let's get that out of the way. I'm not, you know, delusional to that fact, but like this, this is such a big deal. Grayson. It <laughs> is. This is finally happening. And let and, me let me address yeah. why I didn't want this to happen. Mainly because the way I see this is Messi was very good this past season. I think people are kind of forgetting that. Yes, he's getting up there in age. He was, I believe, the only player like in Europe to have 2020 goals and assists. And wow. like the fact that he's still doing things like this at this point in a place that he addressed in his press conference was somewhere that he did not enjoy at any point in his tenure. Wow. So the, the fact that he was that good for a team he didn't want to play for at his age, at this point in his career, why is he making the move to the MLS now? Because I'm going to be honest, he is too good even at this point to play in the MLS. The MLS has not evolved just enough for me to think that a player at that's playing at this level should be here. Oh, man. And, and I guess I, I kind of feel bad for not thinking of it in, like, how the league is going to be. I, I'm only thinking of, like, what this means for, like, them personally and, like, their brands to be here. It definitely not the right time in probably Messi's playing career. I, I will concede and give you that one. I, I do agree with you on that because he did have a great season and he could have joined the MLS probably in like another two years. He probably could have waited yeah, and joined and been fine. But like, but <laughs> I, 
I just keep going back to the fact of how how huge this is, how big of a deal this is, how many tickets they're going to sell. He'll sell out every single stadium he goes to. And it's just it, it's going to be unbelievable when when he is actually playing on the pitch for Inter Miami. Yeah, I, I think this is huge for the MLS as a business. But I I really I the way I see this is that Messi is going to fucking dominate. I, I'm not kidding. There is not a player in the MLS that is even on the level of the guys that he's been matching up with at any point in his career. Yeah, and, and I'm going to go ahead and bring this up now because we're getting to a good point to bring it up, but I, I was going to bring it up whenever we were going to uh, talk about Angel Di Maria. But Inter Miami, with bringing in Messi successfully, they are now considering signing Di Maria, Sergio Busquets, Luis Suarez and Jordi Alba, all to build around Messi. Okay, so we're just putting Barcelona in Miami. I'm fine with it. The the chain reaction that that will cause, there there is no way that GMs won't look at their owners and be like, okay, now what do we do? Because we also have to get aggressive. I'm not saying that the MLS is going to be able to put up like Saudi Arabian or Chinese money to just reel in like 32 year olds that are already still in their prime. I, I'm not saying it's going to be like that, but I, what I'm hoping is that all of this will be a chain reaction and it'll overall better the standard of the MLS by bringing in more top tier players before they're, you know, on their last leg. I, I think that I, I, I have to disagree. Because the way that I see it is that on the business side of the MLS, team owners are going to get eaten up. Now, you know, if we just keep funneling big names and and high skill players very quickly, if if all of those guys that you just said join Inter Miami in one summer, it's going to ruin the rest of the league. And what we're going to see now is money hungry owners coming to the MLS and ruining the franchises that people have grown to love so, honestly, quickly in this huge turn that we've seen of soccer fans in America. I I really do think that they're just, they're crowding, like, they're, they're just top-loading the MLS. It needs to grow still. It, this is not an old league. It's, it doesn't have a storied history. It's still growing, and... Yes, bringing in a few big names here and there grows it. Zlatan Ibrahimovic going to LA Galaxy grew the brand of the MLS. But if you're just going to load up one team, it's just going to make every other franchise that doesn't have billions and billions of dollars to throw at players, it's going to push out these owners that are so passionate about these soccer teams. You know, I, I definitely like that topic, but selfishly, I, I seriously think that this will create a chain reaction around the league and we'll start seeing more players that are willing to not even come to the MLS for just a shit ton of money, but players that are willing to just go play where Messi plays. It, it's the Messi effect. It's his influence. And I think, you know, when it comes down to it, looking at America versus Saudi Arabia – 34, 33, and I can still play at a really high level, I might take that pay cut and not go to Saudi Arabia just to go play even in the same league where Messi plays. Yeah, I, I, you do make a fair point there. He he definitely draws attention. 
But, you know, my concern more is with how does this affect what the MLS will become? Because, look, the MLS... I will agree. The MLS will will never be the Premier League. The MLS will never be La Liga or Bundesliga or Serie A. It just won't happen. And people are going to realize, oh, well, I don't like the structure of the MLS. Are they going to change that? Fuck no. There's, It's going to take quite a bit of work to change the structure of the MLS because it, you got to remember it's still American and we're still going to do shit the way that we want it to be done. <laughs> and they're going to have a fucking playoff at the end of every year. There's not going to be a second <laughs> league that they're going to relegate people to. It's going to make people come over here in their retirement and know, well, it doesn't matter if my team's good because we can't get relegated. We'll just do it again next year, even if we're the last fucking team in the league. So it's just, I don't know. I feel like the MLS, and I don't have a problem with Messi coming over. I have a problem with flooding the MLS with these names and not doing it without being worried about what the negatives are of bringing this many, you know, high profile players over here when this league honestly is not ready for it. Yeah. And and I mean, I I will also concede the fact that, you know, I really don't want the MLS to turn into like a, um, you know, throw money at the best players and just kind of watch them come. Like the, the MLS has like a very cool, like Academy system and kind of like level to it but i would like to keep is like the forefront you know of american soccer and american and the major league soccer like i i also think that you know it is time for the mls to at least slightly start competing with saudi arabia and china in the sense of we need to get old legends to come here i'm not saying that i necessarily want it to kind of like take the MLS by storm. Cause I, I think, you know, with, with the points you brought up, you're right. Like it would be bad for the MLS to take on this kind of talent too fast. It, it probably would create like a bad culture, but if it goes slow and if it's done right and the development part of the MLS is still the forefront of all your talent, despite like the legends that you have sprinkled across the league, that that's to me, the perfect MLS we could have. Yeah. I, I think that, My biggest thing is that I want the MLS to get to the point where the young players that come up or at least just show up in the MLS aren't just immediately bought by a European team and gone. That's what I want out of the MLS. And I wanted to see that before they just started pumping talent into this league because that's what's going to happen. Obviously, you said it yourself that now that Messi's here, it's going to attract way more people here. Yeah. And, you know, a majority of them are going to be the people that, you know, want like want to slow it down at, at that point in their career. And because they know it's not as competitive. They know that they don't have to go up against world-class defenders. And, and they know that they're not going up against world-class, you know, keepers. Like, that is the hard part about this league in my eyes. Like it. All right. Good now we can now we can continue talking about transfer news. Let's do it. There's a there's some very good stuff in here. Yeah. So Borussia Dortmund. I, I already kind of spoiled this one, but Borussia Dortmund have agreed to Real Madrid's 103 million euro offer for Jude Bellingham. 
my biggest question with this is how does he fit into this midfield? I think it kind of just depends on how Cruz and Modric age. If they if they age fast next season, you got Jude Bellingham. If they don't, I think a 19-year-old who just signed for Real Madrid could, you know, take a break being a starter for a little while because he, he doesn't have long. You know, Cruz and Modric are amazing, and I'd love to see them keep playing for, you know, as long as they can, but they don't have long, and Jude Bellingham's still 19. So I think – Patience is the key for him, but also, like, I I definitely could see him, you know, working his way into the starting 11 next season for sure. Yeah, I think he can. You know, I think even right now, he's probably better than Schwameni. Uh, I'd probably say that. Um, Certainly, you know, both of them young players with a lot of potential, but, you know, that puts him in the lineup over him. Um, And then, you know, you're right. I think the biggest thing, though, is Modric and Modric and Cruz's aging, and also if Kamavinga is going to stay in defense. Yeah, yeah. Because if he's not a left back next season, that you know makes it a. I would actually say a lot harder for Jude yeah. Bellingham to move up because Kamavinga, you know, he may not be as good as Jude Bellingham. Personally, I think Kamavinga's better, but Kamavinga's already proven himself to that front, uh, the front office and that staff there. So. I think now that you bring it up, Kamavinga, if he's not going to play left back, he might actually be Jude Bellingham's like biggest um, uh, competition there. Yeah. And then also, you know, Valverde has been fantastic. And I know a few times they've put him out like it, you know, right mid, but you know, he has a place in the midfield as well. Sure. Uh, obviously. Good signing, we, though. Yeah. Uh, we should, we should, let's, let's give signing grades. Like a plus. I, I think we should do it. Um, Kind of closer to the end of the transfer window. We'll go by like teams uh, or okay. at least moves. Um, like you know, let it settle a little bit. Make sure you don't, because the transfer window hasn't even actually opened. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we'll, we'll hold off on that one. But um, we already talked about this one as well. All Itihad in Saudi Arabia are set to sign N'Golo Conte on a two year deal. This one kind of oh, sucks. I, I feel like Conte had time in Europe left. He's so 32, I think. 32. And- and on top of that, you know, Ningolo Conte, I feel like a lot of people kind of avoid maybe calling him like a, a, a seriously a Chelsea hero and a true Premier League great. He he was absolutely phenomenal. And, and like you said, one of the biggest bummers is he definitely still had time. I completely agree with you there, Grayson. He 100% still had time. Other fi- fact of it is, is, you know, selfishly as a Chelsea fan, I didn't even get to see him play last season. He was hurt the entire time, missed the World Cup even, and comes back to this Chelsea team ran by a club legend that's in complete shambles is what he comes back to. And I absolutely hate that that was his last season at Chelsea. Being hurt the entire time and coming back and like barely being able to win a game, absolutely brutal. And I I just really hate that for him because I, I feel like he should have gone out with more of a celebration but yeah. the the team is just really not in a position to be happy, I guess. So it's just a big bummer. I, I'm sad to see him go, but it honestly doesn't surprise me. Yeah, and to kind of almost reignite the same conversation that we had about Saudi Arabia, do you see signing with a Saudi Arabian team as kind of the end of your career in Europe? Like, do you think N'Golo Kante will play out his two years at Al-Itihad and then could just like go back to Europe? 
That's a really good question. Um, have you heard about how much they're paying him? Uh, no, but I'm pretty sure it's a very high number. I don't know exactly. So that two-year deal is worth $200 million. Yeah. So Ningolo Conte, if he really wanted to, if, if he doesn't really care about getting back to another World Cup and you know winning another one, I, I could see him calling it quits after this two-year deal, honestly. And I mean, he just had a pretty... A pretty decent injury to himself uh, with Chelsea this past season. So, like, maybe for maybe for Ningolo Conte, I could actually see him retiring after this two-year deal. But for most players, if they play well in Saudi Arabia, it just has to get noticed. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I think that's a huge part. And the competition there just isn't quite at the highest level just yet. Yes. Um, Manchester United's Anthony Olonga is in talks with a move to Leipzig. Um uh, it is pretty obvious that they've just already kind of replaced him, even though he's only 21. Yep. But I was kind of hoping to see him a little bit. I was too, but, I mean, if you're going to go somewhere as a young guy, Leipzig is, yep. you know, kind of like Ajax, one of those teams that just does very well with, you know, the young guys. Yeah, go to Leipzig, Ajax, or Borussia Dortmund, and you're chilling. Exactly. You'll be moving for at least $100 million later. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, a little rumor, Chelsea is leading the race for Neymar over Manchester United. God knows we need it. If they can have Mason Mount, we can have Neymar. I mean, that's not fair at all, but, you know, fuck Manchester United. <laughs> yeah, and, and what's weird is, like, I guess we had heard the rumors that Neymar said he's not going anywhere unless it's to Manchester United, but if Chelsea's really in it, then could be where he goes. And I mean, you know, I talked about it earlier um, uh, last season. Chelsea, uh, Todd Bowley and PSG have already, you know, met privately about Neymar in the past. So I know Neymar said he won't leave, but if I think if there's anywhere he'll go to, it will be Chelsea. Knock on wood. Yeah. Let, let's hope. I would love to see Neymar in the Prem, dude. Yeah, it'd be cool. And then David De Gea's contract, uh, I believe it expires at the end of this month. Um, and it looks like he wants to return to Manchester United, but it looks like, of course, Saudi Arabia is throwing some money at him. Oh, uh, man. <clears throat> it, it, do you think? I think it's pretty hard for, you know, what, he had the most clean sheets this season in the in the prep. Like, it, it's pretty hard to just let him go. Yeah. And for him, it's pretty hard to just, Go play in a less competitive league when you're still playing, you know, not as high up, uh, you know, in terms of the goalkeepers in the in that uh, like in Europe, he's probably not, you know, top tier anymore. But when you do what you did last year, it's kind of hard to walk away from it. A hundred percent. Um, and you know, goalies are. Even even if your team, you know, comes from a lot of money, and Tottenham have, you know, kind of proven this with uh, Lloris down the years, but, like, Tottenham never went out and got a goalie because Lloris and goalies usually age better than other players. So if I'm Manchester United, definitely keep David De Gea, but I don't know. We'll have to see from uh, what the Saudis can do because they seem to be pulling everybody. Yeah. Who knows? All right, let's talk this one. Brighton looking to make Chelsea Loney, Levi, Colwell – they're trying to make that move permanent. Uh, the bid is somewhere around forty million pounds uh, to keep Levi Colwell. Uh, what do you think about this? I, I I really am not too familiar with him. Um, 
Do you have anything on him? I I actually really like this kid. Um, I was kind of hoping that he could maybe work his way into the team when Tiago Silva potentially retires. God knows when that'll be. Hopefully never, to be honest. But <laughs> um, LCR kind of loaded at that spot, you know, with um, – Oh my God, Wesley Fafana, uh, Benoit Badiashile, you know, other guys like that that are, you know, young center backs that truly love being at Chelsea. And I, I thought Levi Cobell was going to fit in with that trio, but it looks like, you know, Brighton want to offer 40 million pounds, which I would actually say is a pretty hefty fee for him. But hey, I mean, it, it, Chelsea got to do what they got to do when it comes to offloading players this year. I mean, Chelsea fans are going to have to get over a lot of players leaving. Yeah, definitely. So. Uh, Manchester United looks like they're targeting Napoli's Kim Min Jae. I think this would be a fantastic move. He was so good this past season. Yeah, that entire Napoli team was fantastic. But uh, yeah, this would be a fantastic move for uh, Manchester United for sure. Yeah, and, and you know, you get this experience. Like, yeah, he's relatively young at 26, but you know, the experience he has playing with Napoli, you know, just now winning a Serie A. And, you know, everything that he's done this season is fantastic. I, I think that this move would be pretty big. And to pick up a defender because possibly Harry Maguire is going to leave. I was just about to say, and uh, we have the headline here that Tottenham is showing interest in Harry Maguire, which is just, I would love it if this if this yep. actually happened. It's such a Tottenham <laughs> just- move. Yeah, I mean, let's not look at anywhere else in the entire world. Of course, they might be trying to save money here and buy, you know, other positions, but like Graham McGuire is our is where we're going to show interest. It's I mean, I'll just let them be them, man. Yeah. Uh this is one where <clears throat> this one's a kind of an interesting move for Saudi Arabia to be looking for uh, they're offering Wilfred Zaha three years, 45 million pounds. Uh, reportedly, Atletico Madrid and a couple other teams have inquired on him as well. But this is a guy that was supposed to be so good and just yeah, I, really never showed it. And, and I think that's kind of surprising to see Saudi Arabian uh, interest. Yeah, um, pretty much spent his entire career as like a um, like a, I'm about to make it kind of athlete at yep. Crystal Palace, but um, Saudi Arabia would definitely intrigue me if I was in his spot because, like, to be honest with you, Grayson, with, with how okay Wilfred Zaha's been, I'm surprised that another bigger team hasn't brought him in as, like, even, like, a depth move to come off the bench. But, yeah. no, he's just stayed at Palace this entire time. Yeah, I know. It, it, Atletico Madrid seems like a weird move. It does. And I actually will say I like Wilfred Zaha to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I, I do uh, I as well. Because yeah. he's a guy that does have time to make a comeback in Europe if he does show out in Saudi Arabia. Exactly. And I think, you know, just off of the players that I know, Wilfred Zaha skillfully would probably be one of the more entertaining players to be in the Saudi Arabian League if he was to join. Yeah, and you'd pair him with Cristiano. Yeah, and PT Martinez and a whole lot of other guys. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. Who else? Is Anderson Talisca still on that team? He is. That is another guy on that team. Yep. Yeah. I, I can, I, I'm going to be honest. I kind of just mix up all of the Saudi Arabian teams. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Um, it's hard to learn them. Yeah. Well, I always just have to look up their logo because then I can, then I can get it. Like, because I, I know their FIFA cards. <laughs> Ronaldo's on the blue and yellow team. <laughs> oh, well, that's not going to help me. 
<laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Grayson is colorblind if you guys didn't know. I yeah. actually also didn't know that you guys could tell there. <laughs> yeah. Um also David Ospino's on that team. All right. <laughs> We're moving on. Um Kai Havertz wants out of Chelsea. It looks like Chelsea is going to demand 75 million pounds. He was a he was a player that I definitely enjoyed as like a personality on our team, but if I can just shit on my own club for a second, um, didn't use him right the entire yep. time he was here. And for the sake of me just being fond of Kai Havertz in general as a player, I, I like him out of Chelsea sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, any places that you'd like him to land? I think back in the Bundesliga would be yeah. good. I think for him, a similar case with uh, Timo Werner. Even Timo came to Chelsea, meh, went back to Leipzig and was playing like the best he's ever played. Yeah. And I hope Kai Havertz can do something similar or just go somewhere else and show out. Yeah, I think Kai Havertz, he's the kind of player that can have an impact really anywhere. Um, I think he'd play well in La Liga. You know, we've seen kind of his skill set. I think it would work over there. Uh, obviously, he'd play well back in Germany. Uh, he came from, was it Bayer Leverkusen? Yes. Okay. Um, I feel like, you know, maybe he could get into the squad at, at Bayern, but... With, I think he could. With Thomas Muller just forever being like 30 years old, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be kind of hard. But no, I, I think that with how good he actually is... Um, I think he'd, I think he could probably make it into the squad at Bayern Munich. Yeah, I mean, he's still, you know, disregarding his stats at Chelsea, I still think he's a brilliant young player who still can unlock that potential that you know Chelsea brought him in to unlock. But um, yeah, man, I, I'm just happy for him that he's on the move personally because yeah. I, I hate how my club has played him positionally. Yeah, yeah, it, it's not been great. Um. More Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea is joining the race to sign Celta Vigo middle, uh, midfielder Gabri Vega. Uh, it looks like Liverpool and Barcelona are also in this race, but Gabri Vega has been very good at Celta Vigo, 21 years old. Um, do you think Chelsea really needs to get another midfielder, though? Um, I've actually heard that he'd be more of a Kai Havertz replacement. Okay. Is what I've read into, which is totally fine. I mean, you know, bringing in somebody maybe that has a little bit less pressure because. To be honest, I haven't really heard much about um, uh, Gabriel Vega, any, but, or Gabri Vega, Viega, Viega. Yeah. And uh, so who knows? I mean, I I really don't know if he's more of a like a Kai Havertz like Cam or center forward, or if he's more of like your just typical center midfielder. So I don't know much about him, but I have heard he's like a Kai Havertz replacement basically. Yeah. So this season he's played a little bit, uh, primarily center center mid, but. Uh, played a few games at Cam, a few games at like center forward, um, but very good uh, this whole season. Uh, a rating of seven point oh eight, scored eleven goals, four assists, and thirty six matches. I, I think that's pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um, uh, he had a great game against Barcelona uh, to end the season. Eight point nine rating, scored two goals. Oh wow. <laughs> uh, but the next being. I really don't know what's happening with Christian Pulisic. Um, he said that he's planning to return, but I've seen him linked with like a team in every league. 
I, you know, I've heard the same thing, but to kind of add to it, I think Pochettino really likes Pulisic and like really wants to keep him on the team for of whenever course. he, uh, of course he, he joins. Yeah. Um, personally, I, I think I'm kind of tired of my, uh, of the Pulisic era in Chelsea. Um, I think he definitely would be a great move if you're talking in terms of, you know, we brought in so many players, we plan to bring in more. So he, he's a great option to, leave the team you know still having a lot of value to him i think with his age but if you know what if a coach thinks that they can get the best out of a player that really isn't being played that much and hasn't really played well i i kind of want to trust it yeah yeah i i, I just think it's going to be kind of hard to get into this squad man because like you know it's kind of obvious raheem sterling plays your position and he arguably plays it better yep so it's going to be hard for Pulisic, regardless of what Pochettino thinks about him, to get into this lineup. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, though, for sure. Uh, this one's big. Uh, Alexis McAllister, I, I think he's pretty much been confirmed to Liverpool. Um, he got permission for a medical. I, I've already seen pictures of him in a Liverpool jersey. So um, I think this one's just about chalked up as a done deal. Um, I think this is a great move, um, you know. I'm not a big Liverpool fan. I don't know why. Like, I'm not even a fan of a team, really, in the Prem. I don't like Liverpool. I don't know what it is. Yeah, no one should like Liverpool. But um, if I can, you know, not be a Chelsea fan for a second, Alexis McAllister is a he, – he's a phenomenal signing to any team he goes to. Yeah. Seriously. So, Liverpool did good there. And then we touched on this a little bit, but uh, Angel Di Maria will leave Juventus this summer. Um, had a, a decent season. For Juventus, not fantastic, but you know, getting up there in age, not really a problem. Yeah. It was also brutal to see him get hurt again. I can't really yeah. remember when it was. <laughs> like, if it was like November or January or something like that. I, I want to say November, but like, yeah, there were a couple. Uh, I know uh, UCL games for sure where Angel Di Maria was out there looking like his, you know, his old self, and it was awesome to see. So, I hope wherever he goes, he's still a starting eleven player. Yeah. The big thing for him was like, he, you know, a lot of games he was coming off the bench, um, really across all competitions. Like in their last game against Udinese, um, 28 minutes. Like he had a lot of games coming off the bench or like 70th minute exits if he was in the starting lineup. Um, so if he does go to the MLS, though, that'd be kind of cool. Yes. I think I agree. he's in the right, the right range to be going to the MLS. Yeah, I agree. I would agree with that. And then uh, Arsenal is looking to find a replacement for Granite Jaka before they send him away. Um, likely, he'll be sent to Bayer Leverkusen. Um, who are some, like I guess, holding midfielders that you could see making the move to Arsenal? Oh, wow. That's another good question. Holding midfielders going to Arsenal. Yeah. There's one that I have in mind that's been a, a heavily rumored player. Maybe I, I mean, how long can Declan Rice really yep. stay at West Ham? <laughs> that, that was just kind of—I haven't even really looked into holding midfielders that Arsenal could look for as a replacement. But Declan Rice just came to mind because I mean, he just took West Ham to the first Europa League Conference Championship. It's their first championship in like forty-three years. Yeah, first, Granted, first major heard, trophy in general. Yeah, uh, 
And I've never heard of the Europa League conference or whatever the hell it, they won, but it seemed like a big deal. I mean, I, I sent you uh, yeah. a feed of like, you know, just the scenes when West Ham got that last second goal. Uh, you had uh, Florentina, I think the team was, their captain got hit with something and just split his head wide open for yeah, West dude. Ham fans. So it, it seemed like a big deal, you know, whatever they wanted. And I, although West Ham is a rival of Chelsea, you know, both being in London, it, it was cool to see them you know, lifting a trophy, especially on like a European stage, I feel like. But yeah, there's no way Declan Rice stays in West Ham forever. It's yeah. only a matter of time. Yeah, so the Conference League, um, at least in the Premier League, you get one spot, and I believe it's um, either 6th or 7th in the league. Maybe 7th or 8th. I believe the team that's making it in oh. this year is Aston Villa. Okay, yeah. Um. But I, I think it's only like a relatively recent thing, the the gotcha. UEFA Conference League. But um, yeah, I think Declan Rice is the obvious pick. He's been linked just about everywhere in the Prem, uh, as well as Bayern Munich, I believe. Um, yep. So uh, I think if Arsenal's going to replace Granite Xhaka, Declan Rice is the way to go. Uh, but uh, you know, I really don't know of too many other guys that are eyeing a move. Yeah, I, I can't think of anybody else either. Yeah, uh, Jack maybe, Bo- uh, maybe Sergio Busquets actually. You know, he uh, I did just link him with Inter Miami. Sergio Busquets, I think, can still play at a high level for another year or two. Maybe. And, and on a young Arsenal team, he could be the perfect fit. Yeah, I'm sure Mikel Arteta would uh, would not mind. <laughs> yeah, they probably played with each other. <laughs> <laughs> they, I, I'm sure they certainly have played with each other. Actually. Oh yeah, yeah they have. Um. Jack Butland has joined Rangers. Yeah, uh, kind of a bummer. Jack Butland, I remember I when he first hit the scene uh, with Stoke, he was actually like kind of a big deal, uh, linked with a lot of the bigger Premier League teams. I don't, I don't really think anywhere else outside of um, the United Kingdom. But like, I mean, Rangers are a fun team to play for. They're, I mean, they're a big deal. They may not have like big talent, but yeah. you know, they have a huge following in the Scottish. Um, premiership or whatever it's called so yeah i think that's right joining a big team but he never hit his full potential yeah and what's funny is that um now the two goalies in rangers versus celtic which is like one of the most historic rivalries in soccer is going to be jack butland versus joe hart oh that's going to be nice yeah like joe hart just won the uh the scottish premiership with celtic the old firm derby. That one's uh, we got a second and short needs to go to the old firm. <laughs> Luke, it seems like you think we're gonna have quite the budget. <laughs> Dude, this is think of the return on that video though. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't think the video will pay for itself. We'll see. And more, maybe. Talking, so. we're talking sales at this point, but yes, we um, <laughs> let's move on to uh, Huangman Son and Hugo Lloris, of course. Attracting attention from Saudi Arabia. If I am coming, son, I am asking for $500 million contract. Yep. That's the only way I go to Saudi Arabia because he would light it up. He would probably be the best player in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, or he'll play like he did at Tottenham this year. (laughs) I I hope not for his sake. But, yeah, if I'm coming, son, only way I go to Saudi Arabia with the talent that I still think I have – yeah, we're looking in the 500 million range for sure. Yeah, yeah, two or three years, 500 mil. And then for Hugo yep. Lloris, there is no fucking reason for him to leave. You don't think so? No, I don't think so. I, I You talked about it. Like These guys get better with age, especially in goal. 
And I think a Hugo Lloris has just still been a pretty solid option. Solid, yes, but man, I, I don't want to contradict myself. But what I thought I Hugo say, Lloris had a brutal season last year. It, it certainly wasn't great, but I think he's better than a number of like a, a pretty high number of Premier League keepers next year. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Arsenal showing serious interest in Yao Cancelo. Uh, apparently, they had been eyeing him before he went to Bayern uh, on loan uh, in the winter, but looks like they want to pick him up now. And I kind of feel bad for Yao Cancelo. Um, yeah, he got fucked. <laughs> I, he did kind of get fucked, and he's at the point in his career where he needs to sign you know, a mega contract and stay and win some championships. You know, I, I feel bad for him being this good and still being kind of bounced around. Yeah, it, uh, he just kind of fell out of favor uh, at Man City. And, and I mean, especially with them being a three-back now. Yeah. I feel like even more so he doesn't really fit in. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and you know, going to Bayern Munich, he still really didn't have a place. We talked about it. When you play the same position as Alfonso Davies, it's pretty hard to get in the lineup. Yeah, very true. So, I, I don't know. I, I think that... Yeah, Yao Cancelo needs to be somewhere where it's going to be his team. Like, that's going to be the team we remember Yao Cancelo for. He's at that point in his career. Um, I honestly, I'd like to see him play in Spain. Um, I think it would fit his play style very well. Um, You know, as kind of like a left back that's very willing to get up the field. I think that works very well. You know, we've seen it in... Uh, you know, with like Jordi Alba and um, Marcelo, and you know now even Kamavinga, like guys like that work very well in Spain. So I would love to see Yao Cancelo make a move to Spain. Yeah, I like either Spain or Italy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that would be good as well. Uh, it looks like there's a four-way battle. It's really five ways, but four-way uh, battle for Ilke Gundogan between Arsenal, Barcelona, and Borussia Dortmund, and of course the Saudi Arabian team. But Manchester City is still trying to hold on to their guy. I love Manchester City for doing this. They know good and damn well they could easily replace him for somebody who who might, you know, even be kind of touted as better. But Ikai Gundawan has had a phenomenal career, um, you know, despite his injuries. And for him to I mean, the second half of the season with Manchester City for Gundawan was just amazing especially like towards the very end of the season. Yeah. He is red hot. He just does that like every year. It's like the last, like, I don't know, five or so games, six games of the season, you know, even, you know, more than that, but really in those last few games of the season, he is just always red hot. And those two goals in the FA cup final were huge. They were. Um, but I think out of this four way battle, I like Barcelona of all the teams for him yeah I, i've always kind of wanted to see ilke gunahan play in spain you know we've only really seen him play of course in germany and then now in the prem he's done so well in both that i would love to see him kind of take on the next task which i see is spain yeah i like that uh but i would love to see him go back to borussia Dortmund. that'd be cool yeah no that would be very nostalgic as long as he does go to saudi arabia i'm not going to be mad uh, that's really <laughs> that's all i'm saying here. But, <laughs> he can go to arsenal teams, i wouldn't care and all those team wants him though i don't care mm. yeah no i hope he doesn't go there but the big team is going after him <laughs> yeah uh but 
our last one here for transfer news, Nacho Fernandez. This one's not even a transfer, but he is expected to extend his contract one more year with Real Madrid. And fun fact, he's been with Real Madrid for 22 years. He's been a part of that team, you know, academy and all, since he was 11 years old. I I love to hear stories like this, but think of how good Nacho Fernandez. Think of how differently we would talk about Nacho Fernandez if he was a starting center back for all those years. Yeah. Because he's always been a one hundred percenter, like Alexander Madison. If Dalvin Cook goes down and you're you know playing <laughs> fantasy, you you always take Alexander Madison because you know for some reason the second string running back is going to give you the same thing that the starter gave you. Yeah, he's and just been that, good. <laughs> yeah, he is a like a solid, solid player who, you know, he's just I, he just loves it there, and he's he's happy to come off the bench. And you you like guys like that if yeah. you're Real Madrid. I so. believe he's there. Um, I don't remember what they call it. I think they call it like Matador or whatever. Um, it's a guy that like have you ever seen that? Like Real Madrid does the the Matador thing. No. Yeah. So I don't know who started it. Um. But I know, like, it was Sergio Ramos for a while. Now it's Nacho Fernandez. I believe, uh, I could be wrong. I think it was Raul. Is that? I think that's right. Yeah, I think that's who it was before. Um, But they do, like, this little dance thing with, like, the the matador. I don't know what they call it. Cape thing? Yeah. Yeah, I never knew that. Yeah. I got to check that out. I found that out, like, a couple days ago. Nice. But I would love for him to stay. He's obviously a Real Madrid lifer. Um, yeah, and, for sure. You know, he's he's 33 years old, so like he's not done. Yeah, even even among all those years of sitting behind, you know, Ramos Pepe and Ramos Ferran, he, you know, that didn't seem to bother him. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking up this this Matador thing. Yeah, let's let's hear about the Matador. Okay, so. Yeah, so it was Sergio Ramos before Nacho. Before that, it was Raul. I think that's the only guys that have done it. Wow! But joining yeah, they, a crazy they do this like uh, this coordinated, um, this coordinated like dance tradition thing. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I had never heard of it until like, a couple days ago. I saw a TikTok. Of like the, the each of them doing the thing. Why have I never seen that? Yeah, dude, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like this is like a, a big thing. It's a cool tradition. Yeah. Damn. Come on, Real Madrid, Pu- publicize that more. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I want to see more about that. I know, uh, you know, bull bullfighting is a a bit of a, a controversial thing. Yep. Uh, but cool ass tradition. Um, sure. Let's get into stake your claim, Luke. Yeah, could I go first? Yeah, dude, take it. Get a quick one. The Cincinnati Reds, Grayson, are going to play a playoff game this year. Ooh, <laughs> let's uh, let's take a look at the standings. Just uh... we're four games back in the wild card. Okay, have okay. that much. <laughs> they're, they're four games losing... back in the wild card. Yeah. yeah, they're losing like six to nothing to the Dodgers right now, though, or something like that. It's fine. <laughs> Forget who they're playing. Yeah, so four games back in the wild card. I believe they're five games back in their division. Their their division's definitely a weaker one. Um, it's gonna take a, a few, a few strong series now, like in this summer stretch, for them to get to that point. 
because yeah, right now they have the worst run differential in their division, negative 36, very bad. Um, oddly enough, the only team that's positive is the Cardinals, who are in last. But <clears throat> that's only by one run. Wow. Um, but I, I do think that the Reds are going to be very good, but I think it's going to take a little more than just the, the couple of players that have started showing up. like that take. But I don't know, man. It's it's very exciting over there. I'd love to see it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would love to as well. But I'm going to get into mine. I'm, and I don't even know how confident I am in this, but... <laughs> Uh, okay, I am confident in this first part. Ronald Acuna will not go 40-40 this season. Hmm. But he will become the first player to record a 30-60 season. Damn. Uh, right now, he's on pace for it. 32 home runs, 66 stolen bases is his pace right now. Um, through 61 games played for him. It's certainly possible. He just needs, you know, going a little streak of home runs because he he's definitely a little far behind now for forty forty. He's only got twelve home runs. So, you know, keep hitting the ball, keep getting on base. He's been stealing third a lot, which is fine. <laughs> so, you know, if he can just keep racking up these stolen bases like he is, like I think now he sits at twenty eight. Um, he could certainly get this. A 30-60 season? I, I think a 30-60 is way more impressive than a 40-40. Yeah, well, right? nobody's done 30-60, and a couple of guys have done 40-40. Who's done 40-40 before? Uh, you got Bonds, Conseco. On stole bases? Yeah, early, early. Uh, I think it was early in San Fran he did it. It, it actually might have been with Pittsburgh, um, but I'm going to look him up real quick. But yeah, yeah I, I think that I think that thirty sixty is surprisingly attainable. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree. So I don't know. I, I'd love to see him do it. So right now you have Alfonso Soriano in two thousand six. Um he Yeah, so the it's funny. So in two thousand two with the Yankees, he was a home run shy with thirty nine homers, forty one steals. And then when he joined the Nationals, uh, he did it in 2006 with uh, 46 home runs, 41 stolen bases. A-Rod, when he was with the Mariners, did it. I knew I was missing a very big one. Barry Bonds with the Giants in 96. Um, Jose Canseco with the A's in 88. And that's it. I feel like I always look over a name that you just mentioned, but I need you to set it straight for me. How good actually was Alfonso Soriano? And if he was really that good, why do we not talk about him more? He was very good, but I, for some reason, I feel like a, a lot of the teams he was on, he wasn't like the best player. Okay. And I think that's what kind of outshined him. Because like, when you look at the career stats, they were fucking fantastic. Uh, he played uh, not like a, a crazy long career, but a relatively long career. What? Uh, like 19 seasons, 20, 19 or 20 seasons. Um, okay. Like 2002 through 2008, he was an all-star every single one of those years. Um, Won three silver sluggers in that stretch and was a finalist for MVP in 2002 as well, where he led in 
runs, hits, and stolen bases. Um, wow. So he was a phenomenal player. Um, definitely leveled off at the end of his career. Uh, you know, in like 2013, 2014. Kind of, kind of leveled off, but he was still a fantastic player. Like even up to like 2012 with Chicago, he was 20th in MVP voting. But you know, for his career, very good stats: a 270 batting average, 412 home runs, 2,095 hits, and a career WAR of 28.6. Damn, I'm bad. Yeah, he he was a fantastic player. I just you know like. You know, his time with the Yankees, the whole time he was there, Jeter was there. And then, yeah. you know, goes to Texas and... Josh Hamilton, right, would have been there. It, it was an 04. Um, that may have been too early for Josh might Hamilton. Might have been too early. Was, was A-Rod still there? Mm. I, I could be wrong on that. But, yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting to. Is like he was just a little bit overshadowed in, in a lot of his seasons, so... I think that was kind of part of it, but he, he was a phenomenal player. Just not a guy that gets brought up all that much. Same for Jose Canseco, but, you know, we all yeah. know the story of him. <laughs> uh, A-Rod was not on that Rangers team. He would have actually been on the Yankees uh, starting in 2004. Ah. Yep. Gotcha. But regardless, yeah, I think Acuna, 30-60. That's the goal now. I'm, I'm kind of giving up on 40-40. I love it for Acuna, and if not this season, definitely eventually. Uh, the oh, kid, yeah. I can only imagine how good he can become, seriously. Yeah, and with how easy they've made it to steal bases. That too, yep. Yeah, like the I believe the closest person to getting, like, I don't even think anybody, or no, somebody, yeah, Barry Bonds did a 30-50. He had uh, with the Pirates, 33 homers, 52 steals. I think he has the closest season to a 30-60. It was only yeah, 52 though. stolen bases. Yeah, eight short. Wow. So if Acuna can do it, that'd be ridiculous. Yeah, better than Barry Bonds. <laughs> yeah, it's always nice when you're better than Barry Bonds at something <laughs> other than being clean of PEDs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, man. I think that's going to do it for us. Oh, man. Let's get out of here. Well, before we get out of here, oh. as I remind you guys every week, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe, make sure you comment on YouTube, make sure you're following on all the social media, make sure you're following us on the podcast platforms, and leave a review as well. It always brings me joy to see the reviews um, on the podcast. So keep that up. Keep staying tuned. We have things in the works. I know we, we've kept saying that like this summer we're going to put out a lot of content. Some of it's been kind of slowed down. We've got some busy schedules. and um, But, but I do promise. I, I'm going to do this now. Fuck it. By July. We're going to have something interesting for you. Oh, for sure. Yep. All right, Luke. It was a pleasure. Yep. Let's get out of here, man. Yeah. And no Luke next week. Ooh, no Luke, I know. Fucking loser. Missing a podcast. <laughs> Couldn't be me. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't be you. <laughs> <laughs> you are damn right. But yeah, that's going to do it for us, guys. We'll see y'all later. Peace. Peace.